106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And I stand where I, I've said I stand in the past, that a patient's room is too narrow and small and cramped a space for a woman, her doctor, and the United States government. May I respond? Oh, bop. He was, he's a neat talker. Bada bop, boom. But did he not mention that there's a baby in that room as well? Pow. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and standing against my constituents. And then we were told, you get the vaccine. You get the vaccine and you get back to normal. And we haven't gotten back to normal. And it's ridiculous at this point. If you believe the science, you will look at the data that we did not have two years ago, and you will find out that cloth masks do not do anything. You will realize that you can show your vaccine passport at a restaurant and still be asymptomatic and carrying Omicron. People are killing themselves. They are anxious, they are depressed, they are lonely. That is why we need to end it more than any inconvenience that it's been to the rest of us. I think it's, it's a pandemic. It's, it's like at this point, it's a pandemic of bureaucracy. So where is it? The laptop. I wanna know where Hunter Biden's laptop is. Where is it? Sir, I don't know that answer. That is astonishing to me. Is, has, has FBI cyber assessed whether or not Hunter Biden's laptop could be a point of vulnerability, allowing America's enemies to hurt our country? I'm holding the receipt from Max Computer Repair, where in December 2019, they turned over this laptop to the FBI. And what now you're telling me right here is that as the assistant director of FBI cyber, you don't know where this is after it was turned over to you three years ago. Yes, sir, that's an accurate statement. I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record of this committee the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, which I'm in possession of. Give Matt Gates the Presidential Medal of Freedom right now for that line of questioning. What scum we have running the FBI. They had to have the jury believe that it was a neck restraint, it was the knee on the neck, it was asphyxiation that killed George Floyd. However, there was a ton of evidence that George Floyd consumed a toxic, lethal cocktail of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Three grains of fentanyl on the head of a lead pencil, enough to kill you, enough to kill me. And so they had to continuously inculcate the public to believe that Derek Chauvin intentionally, premeditatedly murdered George Floyd and drugs had absolutely nothing to do with it. Are we possibly looking at a liberal insurrection in 2024? It seems like they're talking about that more and more. Well, you, you realize, though, if liberals uh, riot in the streets and burn police cars and set fire to stores and federal buildings, that's not an insurrection. That's peaceful protest. Only if people who supported Donald Trump uh, engage in activity that is a riot, even if it's a tiny minority of the total people that showed up at a rally, uh, somehow that's an attempt to overthrow the government. As I've said many times, let me say again, if that really was an insurrection, 
it was the most ridiculous, poorly planned one in the history of mankind to try to overthrow a government that has a million people on the standing army and nuclear weapons and not to even show up with guns to somehow think they were going to take over the government with some flagpoles and fire extinguishers. I'd say that would be heck of an army if they could do that. And if they could, we probably ought to turn it over to them. This is Lou Benninger. You're listening to No Hostages Radio, episode number 186, and to appear on October 22nd, 2022. Thank you for listening. Uh, A few ways to get a hold of me. You can reach me by phone or text at 530-713-1838. I'm on the left coast, California, northern. Uh, You can also reach me by email if you want to send me something, forward me something, tell me something that you want to write out. NoHostagesRadio.com is my email. Uh, Excuse me, Lou at NoHostagesRadio.com. That's L-O-U at NoHostagesRadio.com. The website.com, NoHostagesRadio, is where we post all of our episodes as well as some articles that I write if you're interested over there. You might be interested in a live show we do also on every Saturday at KMYC, 1410 AM. Uh, you can go on that website, KMYC, 1410 AM, click on live, or you could go to 365 Live. And uh, no, it's Live365, sorry, Live365.com. Click on radio, put in KMYC. You could listen live uh, from 10 a.m. in the morning till 1 in the afternoon. We cover some similar topics, sometimes same, not same all the way through, but uh, it is live, so it's a little different. If you're interested, I know that's a lot to listen to. So this show, if you're new, is go uh, is six 20-minute talk segments with some uh, clips in between that are educational. I spend a lot of time researching clips that might be helpful to you. Uh, to hear from people that are smarter than I am. So uh, that's what's going on here. Uh, I want to mention for those that are in the local area here of Yuba-Sutter counties that the Sutter-Yuba Republican Women Federated, their next meeting is November 17 at 11.30 a.m. So basically it's a lunch meeting. They're going to conduct that meeting at Pizza Roundup. That's in... in, uh, Marysville. So they, since they're a Sutter, Yuba, that's two counties. Since they're two counties, they're meeting sometimes in Sutter County, sometimes in Yuba County, sometimes up in the foothills of Yuba County. This one's in the Flatlands at 2004 Covalod Street, what they call East Marysville, 2004 Covalod Street, Marysville, California. And uh, you can reserve a spot for that event by going to syrepublicanwomen, plural women, dot com, and let them let them know what you're up to. Or if you don't have a website, I mean, excuse me, a uh, a way to get to a website, you can dial up five three zero six three two six one nine five 
530-632-6195. We're trying to um, develop that organization into a strong conservative organization. Not only women uh, can attend the luncheons, but men uh, can also. They're welcome, and men can be uh, members, even though it's a women's organization. Uh, they they allow that. So um, I don't know the agenda, but that's uh, we'll probably be talking more about that later. But it's November 17th. That will be after the election, uh, the first meeting after the election, 2004 Kovalod Street, East Marysville. It's right out by Kynock Elementary School, if that helps you. OK. All right. I also want to mention uh, one of my favorite things to do is to go to dramas at the Creative Light Theater, which is hosted at the Embassy Theater on Church of Glad Tidings campus at 1179 Eager Road, north of Yuba City in Sutter County. Creative Light Theater, they're putting, they put on two or more plays each year. They usually have one in the spring, and then they have one in the wintertime, right about coming into Christmas season. So this one... It's called Comfort and Joy. It's December 9 through December 13th. Every night, December 9 through the 13th, and it's 7 p.m. each night. It's free. You do not need to procure a ticket to get there, to get in. Sometimes they do that just to manage the crowd, but it's 1179 uh, Eager Road again. That's right off Highway 99 or off Live Oak Boulevard. Eager Road runs between the two. Uh, north of Yuba City. And it also it always has a, a family theme. This isn't going to be a transgender storytell hour or a stripper hour or anything that you would see in the public school system or the government schools. This is a family theme. There'll be refreshments there that you can tap into if you like. It's just a fun kickback night uh, with a good message. So the message is uh, set up during the uh, Civil War says the Wright family with their four daughters are celebrating the most magical Christmas of all because or before the oldest leaves the nest to be married. Jump forward 17 years, the Civil War's in full swing. Husbands and cousins and servants are all fighting for the Union. Christmas looks different now. No decorations, no presents, no celebrations for the children of our girls. And um, but what we what they do have is family, love, and traditions that recall the most beautiful gift of all God's Son, born for all men and women, the pure heart of Christmas. This original musical will stir hearts with the power of love and family when life becomes overwhelming and self-care is vital to carrying on. Self-care is kind of a new concept we have nowadays, right? So if you feel like you've kind of been, been uh, bruised up, the last two to three years because of government uh, improprieties during COVID. Uh, this may be a real uh, opportunity to have a little healing, a little joy, a little happiness, and uh, kind of a coming together with your family. And uh, so I want to mention uh, Tom Soule, the amazing 80-some-year-old economist, says, no nation ever protested its way from poverty to prosperity or got there through rhetoric or bureaucracies. I was just talking to somebody in the government today about an article I wrote about BLM that the newspaper editor was so afraid of running. Uh, but I was exactly correct. It was a fraud, BLM. 
Black Lives Matter, totally a fraud, and uh, Antifa. And uh, that's what they did is they burned, they pillaged, they extorted money, and they all expect to get prosperity in the, for the government and the, the country to thrive there, thereby. It's a fraud. I was uh, looking at some different items to uh, discuss today, and I ran across, a and I thought I marked it correctly, but maybe I didn't. I ran across uh, a quote by a guy I thought, I think I talked to that guy years ago. His name's Roger Hell, or Helly, H-E-L-L-E, Roger Helly. And you may not know him. I don't know how well-known he is. I met him through a group called Vets with a Mission following the Vietnam War. And, uh, and I don't know whether he's still involved there or not, but he's involved in all kind of ministry thing. He uh, served in Vietnam. I'll tell you some of his service uh, credentials. But this quote uh, says this, it grieves my heart to see friends who say they love God and are Christians, but vote for people who do not have the same values they do. People who actually work to destroy all we value and cherish. Even worse are those who don't vote at all. And I thought, oh, I wonder where they picked up this quote from Roger Helly or hell, however you want to say it. So, uh, I, I went to look at vets with a mission. They still have a, uh, a website looks like an it's an active website in fact they have a, a team uh leaving for vietnam in this next week or so or maybe they're on their way over there now they send over construction and medical teams to help people their medical uh care is very poor in vietnam so many of these uh people are going over are veterans of the vietnam conflict and uh so after i looked at the website and sent them an email to see what they're up to because I'm up to something over there, and I wanted to uh, tag team with him if we can. So I went uh, to Roger Roger Hell or Helly Ministries. He's got a page, and it says Roger Hell Helly Ministries. Uh, Roger was born in October 2, 1947, in Toledo, Ohio. He was raised in a dysfunctional family. He and his twin brother Ron both joined the Marine Corps in 1965, right after high school. He served as an infantryman in Vietnam, a drill instructor, and a criminal investigation division person, uh, investigator, while he was in the Marines. Uh, uh, he served three tours there in Vietnam. He is a recipient of the Bronze Star Medal with Combat V, three Purple Hearts, uh, and other decorations. He was medically discharged in 1971 after nine months recovering from a near fatal wound from near fatal wounds. Um, and uh, he's written some books that you, you can find him on Amazon.com or one of these other places. But he had uh, the, the reason I think this came to attention was a guy named Mark Alexander has a Patriot uh, column. Uh, saw this article that Roger Helley wrote, and I wanted to pick up on it and comment about it. He says, "Who the title is, Who Pushed the self, Self-Destruct Button? And um, he says, We keep sending the same people back to Washington, D.C. to represent us, which for the most part doesn't happen. And then he goes on to tell a story. 
a parable, or maybe it's a story that actually happened to him. He said, every day Tom showed up for work on his construction job. Every day at noon, the workers would take their lunch break. Tom would sit down, open his lunchbox, and pull out his sandwich. Every day, Tom would look at the sandwich and complain, peanut butter sandwiches, peanut butter sandwiches. I hate peanut butter sandwiches. After weeks of this, one of the men finally said to him, why don't you ask your wife to make you something different? Tom replied angrily, leave my wife out of this. I pack my own lunch. Well, we laugh at this example, uh, Roger says, but this, but if we put it into the context of what's happening to our country, we, like Tom, are doing it to ourselves like peanut butter sandwiches. Election after election, we keep sending the same people to Washington, D.C. to represent us, which for the most part does not happen. I'm talking about both parties. The congressmen and senators who seem to be fighting for our country's future are vastly outnumbered by do-nothings. And by, by the way, we're out here in Northern California, and we got Doug LaMalfa back in Congress. We got Jim Nielsen as our local senator here in California. We got James Gallagher. These are the three musketeers of do-nothings. Roger goes on in the next paragraph to say, election after election, we whine and complain and nothing changes. What is the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again each time expecting something different to happen? And it grieves my heart to see friends who say they love God and are Christians but vote for people who do not have the same values they do. People actually work to destroy all we value and cherish. Even worse are those who don't vote at all. I believe there are two reasons for this. So I'm going to offer my opinion, and when you get to heaven, you'll see I was right. First, far too many Americans believe the news sources they listen to regularly. To quote Denzel Washington, if you don't read newspapers, you're uninformed. If you do read newspapers, you're misinformed. You're too lazy to do, we're too lazy to do our due diligence checking how our elected officials vote. We believe what we hear. How can anyone trust the mainstream media after how it blatantly lied to us for years? There's, there's not enough space to hit even a few of the major scandals that have turned out to be media lies and misinformation. When media gets it wrong, they rarely go back and, and fix it. Why would we trust them to tell us the truth? The media simply spouts the left's narrative that half of America is evil, racist, homophobic, transphobic, blah, 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 blah. Are we tired of this yet? Ever since Obama entered the Oval Office to question everything the left does makes you a racist. The other reason is directed to those who simply never show up to exercise a freedom that free nations on earth have, that few nations on earth have as we do in America, and that is voting. That's the freedom. Are you listening to the polls that are pretty much saying, don't bother to vote, your candidate's going to lose. Worse, you feel the system is beyond saving, so why bother voting? That's why more leftists than ever are in office today, because you're, you've believed a lie. For the millions of Christians who have stayed home for the past few election cycles, over 20 million actually, your vote will make a difference. Even if half of you show up on November 8th, we will turn the tide. It's something to think about. 
So that's a great article by Roger Helley. By the way, if you're interested in going to Vietnam with vets in it, with vets with a mission, you can look them up. You can just uh, do a Google search, do vets with a mission. And I think it's vetswithamission.org is the exact address. But uh, they got a good website and just click on all the menus and, and uh, it's pretty moving. They do a lot of heart surgeries. Uh, they do a lot of uh, tricky type surgeries to change people's lives in Vietnam. And uh, there's a number of guys, I think a guy named Chuck Ward runs it. I emailed him actually earlier today to see what's up, see whether we can help them at all, because we're going over there. They're going over there. They used to go over there two or three times a year. We go over there outside of COVID times. We go over there two, two or three times a year as well. We're going to leave and take a team at the end of November and be gone about 12 or 13 days. So, uh, and they, they will have just been coming back from there. They, they got an 18 day trip going with their medical people and their construction people and all that kind of stuff. So pretty impressive. My friend, Bill Kimball back in 1988, I remember the day he told me he was going to launch vets with a mission and he did it. And, uh, he turned it over to different leadership in 2000, 2000, I think after 1988, 1988 start, you can read the history there, seeing the photos and all that kind of stuff. That's with mission.org. They can also use your donations and they are a lean and mean organization. They don't have a bunch of high powered, high funded, richly rewarded board members. They're all servant hearted guys and gals that are giving their life. In fact, some of them have actually moved to Vietnam and live there on a pauper salary. So, uh, if you're new to this show, we have a bunch of folks that, uh, don't like us, so they don't help us. And then we have a bunch of people that do like us and, and some of them help us. And I want to give them uh, some honor and some respect and some notoriety because they're out there earning a hard living. And one is, uh, the YS junk angel. That's Ira and Gina Burroughs. They're picking up all the garbage and all the trash and moving uh, waste and uh, appliances and getting rid of all the stuff, cleaning up America one property at a time. I wrote was a you, uh, San Francisco firefighter fired because he wouldn't take the jab. So they're filling in income by moving people's junk. So you can reach them very easy by text or call at 530 and they're quality, wonderful people. They have raising five kids here in Yuba County. 530-329-3113-YSJunkAngel.com. And also, uh, Izzy Garcia, Israel Garcia, runs Lit Little Billy's Excavator and Backhoe Service. He is a Marine, a veteran Marine, served overseas, risked his life for you and me. And uh, we should use him if we can, if we need any backhoe work or excavator. That's Little Billy's. That's a text or call 530-300-6010. 300-6010. He's based in Yuba County, but he'll tra travel throughout Northern California, and he will do you right and do a job that you'll be proud of. So whether you need to, to dig a hole, fill in a hole, flatten something, build a mound, he can do it all, and uh, and he'll do it and, and uh, treat you right. All right, then we have, uh, I'll try to get this in, All Power Services. That's, that's Will. Uh, Fanning and Josh James, and they're fixing anything that has to do. A friends of mine said, hey, we're taking our jet skis over there that need some repair, that they fix everything that has power to it that's broken or it's not running right. All power services, text or call 
844-0347. They are located here in Yuba City at 1469 Stewart Road. That's right off Highway 99 going towards the Buttes. You can also email them at allpower1469 at gmail.com, allpower1469. They can fix everything, big rigs, small rigs, recreational rigs, lawnmowers, weed eaters, chainsaws, wheelchairs. They fix everything. And they're also uh, steel fabricators. So if you need some extensions built on your truck or hitches or things that you, you need to build a uh, equipment rack on your truck or something for your business, whatever you want with steel, they, they got it down. Uh, they've done a lot of steel work for me. They built a gate. They've done all kinds of stuff that uh, I needed for different volunteer projects, and uh, they're all always into helping. So all power services, 844-0347. They even helped a friend of mine fix his crane that was hanging up over a person's house. And uh, no one else wanted to do it, but Will went over there and fixed it. We'll be right back and uh, do our second segment. Life is funny. Skies are sunny. Because if you follow it to its logical conclusion, you can slap family-friendly titles on anything. You can have family-friendly gentlemen's clubs, family-friendly strip shows, family-friendly Fifty Shades of Grey read-alouds. Will you appro- approve my flyer if I want to host in all the sex secrets of the Kama Sutra for kids and families, if it's family-friendly? <laughs> That's my question. Wow. Come on. Uh, what is it about a grown man? And I honestly, sincerely, as a woman, mean this. What is it about a grown man? costumed in a sparkly bra with augmented boobs busting out a leather miniskirt barely covering his twerking ass with tuck tape on his front while spreading his fish netted legs as he writhes on the ground grinding his groin next to a minor family friendly you owe us an answer and you know you don't get to hide by just taking something down off peach tree and calling it a day you owe an explanation and an apology problem with child porn, with sex trafficking, you, a little school district board of adults, made the decision to feature an event to hyper-sexualize young children. Do you want to know that the word that defines that? It's groomer. You all played the activist pimp for an aligned surgical center and for a 21-plus gay bar. It makes you groomers and activist pimps, and we won't have those sitting on a school board who oversees the education of our children. You all stepped out of line. You should be ashamed. There's nothing loving. There's nothing. Let's unite and include. Because the logical conclusion of that is you end up in diabolical evil. There are boundaries. And you don't slap family-friendly titles on stuff to cover your ass. Mr. Zuckerberg, I come in peace. I just don't feel like that we're connecting. Your user agreement sucks. I'm about out of time. Boy, it goes fast, doesn't it? 
Those late-night psychic hotlines made those so-called experts look responsible. If you took Wall Street, turned them upside down, and shook them, you'd fall out of their pockets. She does not have a solution to inflation, but she really admires the problem. You call Senator Sanders everything but an ignorant slut. In my state, the price of gas is so high that it would be cheaper to buy cocaine and just run <laughs> everywhere. President Biden is about as popular right now as a sinkhole. And I understand animal spirits, and I understand that politics is not being bad. The reason gas prices are going up is because the oil's in Louisiana and Texas, and the dipsticks are in Washington, D.C. If many people won the lottery, the first thing they'd do is fill up their gas tanks. And next time you get in trouble, just, you know, call a crackhead. See how that works out for you. Looks like we're giving Lindsay Lohan the keys to the minibar. Always be yourself, unless you suck. This budget to them looks like somebody knocked over a urine sample. Christmas ornaments, drywall, and Jerry Epstein. Name three things that don't hang themselves. Something happened to him, and I don't think he fell through a hole in the fabric of the universe. The only way I know to improve this thing is with a shredder. I've made my feelings known to the president that tweeting a little less wouldn't cause brain damage. This stuff is why the aliens won't talk to us. I trust every Middle Eastern country about as much as I trust gas station sushi. The brain is an amazing organ. It starts working in a mother's womb and it doesn't stop working until you get elected to Congress. If you don't believe that, then you probably also still believe in Bigfoot. I believe love is the answer, but I own a handgun just in case. No longer going to send checks to dead people. I mean, who's going to get mad? I I've just given, given you four or five ideas. Um, I I'm not pretending that I just discovered gravity or something. Fill out a hurt feelings report and let us move on here and try to run government. I mean, Chicago is now the world's largest outdoor shooting range. He looks like a smart guy. He probably washed his hands before it was cool. I think of Kamala as uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, but smarter and without the bartending experience. Every single day, reality calls, and the Biden administration just hangs up. Life is hard, but it's harder when you're stupid. I don't know why we have to give money to countries that hate us. They should be able to hate us for free. Looks like we're giving Lindsay Lohan the keys to the minibar. They wanted it like Ben wants J-Lo. Frankly, I can't because I can't get my head that far up my rear end. Somebody at the White House has been smoking the devil's lettuce. My car doesn't run off fairy dust. The mayor needs to take her meds. My car doesn't run off unicorn urine. The lesser of two socialists is still a socialist. Words can't express how much I don't care. Here's how you know if you have a hard job. If you work out the day you went to work, you don't have a hard job, <laughs> right? Like my grandpa, he worked in a sheet metal factory. You know what they did? I don't. I just know he wasn't knocking off at lunch to do his spin class. It's <laughs> like, so you guys keep an eye on my welding mask? I haven't sweat enough. I'm gonna do some hot yoga. <laughs> and then I'll be back to finish this bridge. I read about some squirrely guy who claims that he just don't believe in fighting. And I wonder just how long the rest of us can count on being free. 
They love our milk and honey, but they preach about some other way of living. And when they're running down our country, man, they're walking on the fighting side of me. They're walking on the fighting side of me. All righty. Let's move on. By the way, thanks a lot for listening. I want to encourage you that there's a lot of places if you're try, you got your kids back in school and you're I just saw where uh, the CDC after saying you don't need to get the vax. Now they're saying all kids in America need the vax and Gavin Newsom saying your kid has to get the jab to go back to school. I don't know what it's going to take. You need naked men running around masturbating in front of your kids. They're already having uh, transvestites in the schools. They're having uh, they're teaching kids they have seven, eight, or nine genders. They're teaching your kid, your boys, that they may be girls, the girls that may be boys. I don't know how bad does it get have to get. You, your kid spends eight, nine months in school and can't read, can't do math, can't find his way around America. There's lots of schools. There's lots of options out there. So uh, if you need options, why don't you just text me at 530-713-1838. We can have a talk. I'll handhold you through some school options in the Yuba Sutter County's area. There's a lot of private schools or good schools. Some of them are Christian-based, and that's even better because they kids need a moral foundation. I, I did not have a moral foundation. They taught me all the way through the school system at Marysville that I came from a monkey. And when I got out of a school, uh, it, when you know you came from a monkey or think you did, uh, you're one lost dude. And I was, and so I decided to do drugs for a number of years until I met Jesus. So I got all straightened out. Um, I want to read this. Uh, I've been reading this every once in a while. Alexander Hamilton, 1774. He was around 20 years of age when he wrote this. Uh, not many 20-year-olds I know could have written something like this. Because this really it shows a very mature person on the inside. Alexander Ham Hamilton wrote, Is it not better, I ask, to suffer a few present inconveniences than to put yourselves in the way of losing everything that is precious? And then he goes on to say those things that are precious. What do you, what's precious to you? Your car? At that time, there were no cars. So he said, he could have said your horse. The precious things Hamilton's referring to that you're going to lose is your lives, your property, your religion are all at stake. He said, I do my duty. In fact, if you read in Ezekiel, the, in the Bible, just look up the book of Ezekiel and look up the third chapter and then jump on over to the 33rd chapter. And you say, well, I wonder how he came up with his duty at 20 years of age. What is his duty? You can read about it in those three chapters, those two chapters, three and 33. He said, I do my duty. I warn you of your danger. If you should still be so mad, that means uh, screwed up in the head, not angry, but just confused, as to bring destruction upon yourselves, like it's said, he didn't say this, I do, it takes somebody with real brains to build a barn, any jackass can kick one down, and we got a bunch of jackasses in America today kicking the barn down. And he says, if you should be still so mad as to bring destruction upon yourselves, if you should still neglect what you owe to God and man, you could see his philosophy, you cannot plead ignorance in your excuse. Your consciences will reproach you for your folly and your children's children will curse you. 
Can't you imagine your children's children cursing you? Like, oh, yeah, you know, the whole... Yeah, they read about how dreamy and amazing that America used to be. The kids, re, you know, when they're becoming adults and they thought, wow, uh, my grandpa was living back then or my dad was living back then. And now how'd they let it get so funky? How did we go communist, right? They will have plenty to curse you with. Good for them. We deserve to be cursed. Uh do you remember the days, you remember Ralph Nader and Ralph Nader was this consumer activist and uh, Ralph Nader was always criticizing the auto industry and criticizing this industry. And remember he used to put out a thing called consumer reports. I don't even know whether they put out that anymore to, to rate the different products we make in America, what's best and what's a great value or what the maintenance, re, re, what the maintenance needs were of every car that's sold uh, pretty interesting stuff. Well, there was this Ralph Nader, right? And so that spurned the, um, the auto industry and other industries to do a lot of research on their cars before they actually rolled them off the assembly line and sold them to people. Like, would they blow up if they were in a crash or would they catch on fire or, or could the, could the transmission lock up or could this happen or could that happen? Right. They do all these tests and they would do tests when they'd put dummies in them and run them into a concrete wall while they filmed them to watch what would happen to the dummy inside the, uh, or the mannequin inside the car, right? They do all these crash tests. Well, it's amazing. I don't know what you've heard about down. Well, first of all, we started hearing because I've been talking to some old firefighter friends that are retired about how incredible it is that these electric vehicles are catching on fire. And when they are caught on fire, when they, ignite for whatever reason whether it's just some malfunction of the car or whether somebody lights them on fire if form of vandalism it's very difficult to put the car fire out and there's a lot of toxic uh products in it so when i was a chaplain for yuba city fire we went on i I was going to say constant fires but there were quite a few car fires i'd say in a year there were more car fires by far than there were house fires, residential structure fires. And and how do car fires, I don't know, it could happen by somebody being mad at somebody and torching the thing. Or sometimes if you get a gas leak on your engine or some oil will ignite, it gets so hot and there's oil leakage on the engine, if it ignites, then the car catches on fire, right? And we've seen that. All of us have seen car fires. Well, the fire department would roll right up there and just knock it down. Boom. They'd knock it down pretty quick. But the electric vehicle fires are taking up to 5,000 gallons. Now, when the when the uh, fire truck shows up, they have 500 gallons in a tank inside that unit that they can just start blasting right off the truck before they even hook up to a hydrant, Right. Well, that's impossible because it's taken 4,500 to 5,000 gallons of water or anti-inflammatories, right? Chemicals in the water. They put chemicals in the water to knock the fire down better. And it's taken hours and hours and hours to solve one car's problem. Now, wouldn't you think that the car builders would have checked all these things out before they rolled them off the assembly line? Fire chiefs are complaining around the country. Well, here's what's happened lately. 
because we haven't had a lot of these Teslas, for instance, tested by getting submerged in water or getting waterlogged or trying to drive through some deep water and they catch on fire. The batteries catch on fire because somehow it's there's a it says here, Rick Scott, who's the senator from the state of Florida. He's demanding action for the Department of Transportation and the vehicle makers as the ticking time bombs created by salt water interacting with electric vehicle batteries is draining the resources of first responders. Now, I don't know whether we'll have that problem here in Northern California. We're not on the coast, but down there where Ian hit, they're all down there in Florida. They they got big time salt water all over the place. So in a letter, Scott wrote, the emerging threat has forced local fire departments to divert resources away from hurricane recovery to control and contain these dangerous car fires. So he is demanding help from the Department of Transportation, including Tesla, Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis. After several fires involving electric vehicles transpired in connection with Hurricane Ian, or if you want to say Ian, some people are calling it Ian. So this is a big deal. Don't you think with a thousand pounds of batteries in these cars that they would have done some sort of special testing to to provide their results to state fire marshals on how to put out these fires? So. Senator Scott writes, the state fire marshal's office is in need of immediate guidance regarding their response to fires produced by electric vehicles. Now, is this another result of Democrat-led baloney where they say, oh, we're all going to go electric vehicle, and then they turn around and say, well, but you can't charge them because we don't have enough electricity, right? That's a Democrat thing. Like, we're going to have hot dogs for dinner, but we don't know where to buy the hot dogs. That's how Democrats think. So what's happened is we have lithium batteries corroded by salt water. And when that corrosion takes place, it can set off an explosion and a fire. Now, don't you think that the national, what do they call it? National Health Transportation Safety Board or something like that. It's NH. Here it is. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. I had a friend from Yuba City that used to sit on that board. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA. So uh, they, they're trying to, NHTSA said it is aware of multiple fires involving Tesla vehicles, according to their letter back electric vehicles were seen catching on fire in Florida after becoming waterlogged during the hurricane. So here we are, we have the state of the art, supposedly vehicles in California. The governor's saying you can't plug them in because we don't have enough power to keep everything else going. Plus plug in thousands of vehicles, right? And really they, they are still in far, far minority. There's just a handful of a few thousand vehicles out there. We're not talking about millions of vehicles out there that are electric, but everything that's electric, don't you know, I have an electric toothbrush. I don't have many electric things, but my computer is all plugged in all the time. Then I, but I, I try to keep it low because I don't want to keep people from getting to drive their car. So Newsom says in August, California, uh, he said this August uh, declared that 
All new vehicles sold in California must be zero emission by 2035. Now, either there's going to be a either Jesus is going to cause fossil fuel cars to have zero emission, or we're going to be having all electric vehicles by 2035. But I'm going to have come to pass by then, so I'm not going to have to even write an article or talk about it by then. Somebody else is going to have to pick it pick it up. So uh, okay, I want so I wanted to let you know about that. So I would definitely not buy an electric car they're a total loser in fact about 20 percent i'm told of electric car owners are trading in their electric cars and turning back to fossil fuels now if you've you know i drive down to san francisco every once in a while to jump on a plane and fly to vietnam or thereabouts cambodia vietnam somewhere over there and i have gotten involved in some traffic jams down there that took hours to get out of not because somebody did anything wrong. There was just a lot of cars needing to get out of town. And, uh, and I have been grateful that my car was full, baby, full. And usually as soon as I leave the car lot where I'm parked, when I pick up my car after flying back from Vietnam, I fill it to the top because I know that I may be sitting on that freeway idling away, idling away for hours. And I'm telling you, these electric cars cannot do that, cannot do that. So let me let me uh, cover some. Uh, I've been following deaths and destruction. I, I I may have mentioned this last week, but I was talking to somebody this week who said that four or five of their loved ones died uh, from the jab after they took the jab, and that all their loved ones, the rest of her family, no one died over this last year or so. And none of them took the jab. That's just anecdotal evidence. We were talking about it. She wanted my help to straighten out some financial situations, and we got to talking about the jab. So I've been following articles that talked about people dying. Now, the media, as you know, is pro-jab and pro-Fauci and pro-Biden, so they're not going to be telling you the truth. And what I want you to do is use your common sense, right? So I've asked over and over, week after week, do you know of any kids when you went to high school or college that were athletes or just healthy kids? I'm not talking about somebody who was born with severe uh, uh, developmental defects, right? Or they had a bad heart they were born with. I'm talking about just regular folks that are healthy, all of a sudden just drop dead. Not drug overdoses, just drop dead and they can't figure out what in the world. So uh, there are literally weekly, there's people all over the world dropping dead of uh, all kinds of ailments that those aged people should not have. So the title here is former NBA player Caleb Swanigan dead at 25. Now, most NBA players are just getting warmed up at 25. Caleb Swanigan, he's a former First-round NBA draft pick and Purdue University first-team consensus All-American has died at 25. What happened? His family confirmed his death. It's, it's been attributed to natural causes. Now, people, that is just ridiculous. That is ridiculous. According to the Allen County Coroner's Office, uh, said Caleb was a— very thoughtful and gentle soul who excelled both on and off the court. He made a huge difference in everybody's lives that he touched and he will greatly be missed. It's not, he's not a doper. He's not a gangbanger. He's not, he's not uh, getting smashed on alcohol and beating up women, right? 
said the young star was drafted first round 2017 NBA by Portland Trailblazers, selected 26th in the entire nation. He was named first team in the NBA Summer League. That's amazing. He was chosen to the first team 2017 NBA Summer League, played two seasons before being traded to the Sacramento Kings. He later returned to the Trailblazers before being released after the 2020 season. Didn't say he had cancer, had part problems. He, you know, his knees were bad. Didn't say anything about this in, in this article. Fine guy, great character, fine guy, drop, and, and he's dead. 25 years of age, people. I didn't have anybody, young people like that, die unless they drug overdose back in my time. Or they got killed in Vietnam or got killed in a car accident. But just dropping dead as a young person, forget about it. This is another artist collapses on stage. You've been seeing the artist collapsing and dying on stage. They have it on YouTube. You can't deny that, folks. You can you can deny the cause. You can be fraudulent about the cause. So there's a guy, I don't know who he is. I, I, I've read the article a number of times. His artist... Uh, Mikabin, that's what he goes by, was performing in France over the weekend when he walked across the stage, suddenly collapsed and died. He was 41. Now, how many 41-year-olds just die suddenly? Uh, he's a Haitian singer. He was born Michael Benjamin, uh, changed his name to Mikabin, who, uh, stage name, made an appearance at the Acor Arena in Paris uh, as a guest of Haitian group Karami. In a clip that surfaced on social media, Micah Ben finished his set, walked off the stage when he suddenly, while he was walking off the stage, collapsed in front of thousands of fans. This isn't rumor, people. This was videoed. He dropped on stage, just like comedians have collapsed on stage and died. All kinds of people are dying. Uh, said former Haitian premier Jean-Henri Kayant praised Micah Ben as one of the most talented artists of his generation Micah Ben was ex expecting his third child with his wife, Vanessa, like wasn't a, a meth addict, a heroin addict, wasn't any of those things. Um, they asked for people to pray for them. I want you to just think about that. So people are dying left and right. Do you think the government's taking any responsibility? Nope. They're like the two bears in the Larson cartoon. You ever seen those two bears in the Larson cartoon, both standing on their hind legs? And you're looking through a scope with the X on the end, and you're looking at the two bears, and the one bear is looking at the other. The one bear is looking in the scope and pointing at the other bear, saying, shoot him. That's exactly what's going on in our boards of supervisors, our city council, our state government and our federal government, everybody is running for cover and said, blame them. You know what we lack? I was talking to somebody today and I was mentioning it. What we really lack is some of the children of the supervisors to drop dead. That's the only way we're going to get any uh, concern from them. In other words, if their children are okay, they don't give a damn about your kids. That was just like a dirty Dan Flores when I questioned whether the Sutter Buttes Little League should be masking uh, the, those uh, Little Leaguers, he attacked me as being against Little League and against volunteerism, which I've done more of both than him. Uh, I could teach him a thing or two. 
And I'm not into masks. I never was into masks. I knew they were fraud from the beginning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the government is not going to take any responsibility, and they're going to deny, just like the just like the military denied that Agent Orange was killing people during Vietnam, and they denied it for decades until most of those folks got diseased and died. And then they started saying, well, maybe it might have done something. Yeah, we can kick down some money to some of the survivors, right? Agent Orange. We're going to be right back. We got uh, four more segments to go. This could use a brand new coat. That's not allowed. I'd warn you, don't. That guy is crapping on the ground. It happens. Wait, how's that even allowed? Because you're living in a clown world. A cool to pull your pants on down a world. There's only one you can paint brown world. You'll never guess which one in clown world. The cost of rent is getting dear. We should build our new neighborhood here. Zoning forbids new housing builds. We were actually just gonna throw up some tents and, you know, do some heroin. Well, that's acceptable in clown world. Hey, can't let children walk downtown world. They're playing hopscotch, look around world. They're avoiding needles. Oh, it's okay in clown world. He saved that disabled lady. Risked his life to save two babies. And to his valor, we're in debt. Wait. Have you had your booster yet? Well, I've had COVID and I had an adverse skin for a new job in clown world. A risk your life so they don't drown world. A down is up and up is down world. Fired is dangerous, but from clown world. Oh, we're all living in a clown world. A common sense cannot be found world. Oh, you can paint the sidewalk brown world. We're living in Sunday morning with corruption at the highest levels. A string of evidence revealed last week about just how hard the FBI tried to take down Donald Trump, regardless of not finding any evidence of Russia collusion. And all the while covering up for Clinton crimes and Biden lies. The FBI paid Igor Danchenko $200,000 to stay on the FBI's payroll for three and a half years, including during the Trump presidency. Also offering Christopher Steele a million dollars to corroborate the made-up attacks against Trump, something he could not do. In addition, two FBI analysts testified that they wanted to interview a Clinton operative who was actually planting the Russia story. But they were told by Robert Mueller's team to stand down and not interview Clinton's PR man, Charles Dolan. Joining me right now is Devin Nunes, the man who blew open the Russia collusion live from day one, detailing the scam in 2018 with his Nunes memo. While still the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, he is currently the CEO of Truth Social, which has been the number one downloaded app on the Google App Store for, for 48 hours. Devin, good morning to you. Congrats on the App Store. Hey, thanks a lot, Marie, and it's great to be finally fully open uh, for all the American people and the people in the United Kingdom, but thank you. I want to talk to you about something you know very well, exactly what went on in this Russia probe uh, and the Igor Danchenko trial. Give us your sense and reaction to the headlines we saw this week that I've just detailed. Yeah, I think I look at this in three major revelations. 
And the first and obvious one is this, this new fact that we found that steel was offered a million dollars. Now, this is something that wasn't given to Congress, even though we had subpoenaed way back in 2017 and, and 18. So when they found out that steel was lying, did they go to the British government and ask for steel to be extradited? Or did they? No, they didn't. Uh, instead, what did they do? Even though he's on the payroll, they offer a million-dollar bounty, essentially, on Trump's head for him to go and prove something that the FBI already knew was false and was coming from the Clinton campaign. So, so next up, you have this revelation about Danchenko. Danchenko clearly was working on behalf of the Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee. He had been a longtime kind of Democratic operative working in Washington, D.C., and he was the secret source, as you may recall, that the FBI led us to believe that, oh, something could happen, you know, people could die. Well, when they find out that Danchenko is, in fact, lying and not providing information, do they raid his house like they did at Mar-a-Lago and go through, you know, his, his underwear drawer and pull out documents of Danchenko? No. What do they do? They put him, they bring him onto the payroll of the FBI. Now, Maria, once again, this is something that should have been provided to our committee. We really would have, would have wanted to know that this guy was now on the payroll. And as, as you pointed out, he then ultimately was paid $200,000. And I think third and finally, uh, what came out of this is finally we get the direct evidence that we've been missing for a long time that the Mueller witch hunt was in fact a witch hunt that was designed to cover up the involvement of the Democrats and the Clinton campaign. If anyone had ties to Russia, it was it was them. Yeah. So so do they go and investigate um, investigate Danchenko? No. What Mueller does is he buries it. So essentially what's happened here is Durham uh, has oddly been prosecuting the DOJ and the FBI at the same time that he's prosecuting Danchenko. Yeah. Now, look, I think this is a problem because I'm not sure why is Durham not bringing criminal conspiracy charges? You know, he reports directly to Biden's attorney general. Mm. And we know, and just kind of the final point, we know that there are several high-level officials that were involved back in 15 and 16 in this whole conspiracy that are now sitting atop the Justice Department. One has to begin to ask, why is Durham being allowed to bring the prosecutions that, that he should be bringing based on all the evidence that we've seen so far in this trial? So you think that Merrick Garland is uh, putting his hand on the scale and stopping him from bringing these prosecutions? Yeah, look, and I've said this for a long time, many times on your show, dating back many years, that democratic republics don't survive if you have a situation where we have a two-tiered justice system, where it appears that the, the Justice Department and the FBI are working on behalf of Democrats yeah. and targeting Republicans. And so, you know, I don't know if Durham's going to be able to, to finish his job or not, but one thing that's going to have to happen is that there's going to have to be a commission that has, has not been done in a long time in, in Congress. It's going to have to be created to look at all the malfeasance of the FBI that's not just about the Russia hoax, but something that maybe is similar to the Church Commission, maybe like the 9-11 Commission. You're beginning—because, look, if this doesn't happen, the calls to disband the FBI are going to get louder and louder, because, the, you know, half of America cannot live in a system where, where one party is treated differently than the other. Yeah. Are there...
Are there talks underway right now to create a commission to bring in outsiders to investigate the FBI and, and dismantle this politicization? Yeah, I mean, I'm taking a lot of calls from folks now, you know, just asking, you know, how do they get to the bottom of this? And one of the challenges that if the Republicans are to gain control, one of the challenges first will be that, you know, that, that we now are now seeing in full light. But if you go back in time, yeah. you know, they would constantly say, oh, we can't tell you that because there's an ongoing investigation, we, the Congress. And then they would say, well, you guys don't have the proper clearances. So, I mean, this is going to be the problem is that the FBI is very clever about hiding in these gray areas and hiding the ball from Congress. So, look. This is a bad situation yeah. for the Republicans to be going into, but at least we have the experience, bad experience over the last five or six years. We know now how to deal with these guys like never before, and it's mm -hmm. gonna take the full power of the speaker and the full power of a commission to get to the bottom of what actually happened here and, and, and rewrite the course yeah. of how the FBI and the justice system should operate in this right, country. Real quick, we got to jump. I want to ask James Comer about this. He will have the gavel. He's joining me right after this interview. But real quick, how did this happen? What do you attribute this to? Was this Mueller and Comey, or was this even bigger than that? I think it's, a, it's pretty simple, right? You had the, the, the Democrats under Obama and Biden that conspired to go out and get and get President Trump at the time and Republicans, uh, and they got knee deep in it. You know, they were worried about the Hillary Clinton emails being exposed before the 2016 election. So they decided to frame Trump and, and try to, to create an October surprise. And then Trump does the unbelievable and he wins. And that's when they go into full-blown criminal conspiracy. They stand up this, this sham Mueller witch hunt to essentially hide the ball. And then they successfully hid the ball from Congress for three or four or five years and, and ongoing by doing these dirty tricks that just continued. So it was a whole cabal. It's clear for the American people to see. And now it's going to be up to, the, uh, to a Republican Congress to get to the bottom of what happened. signed out this week for Kevin Kiley. He's the guy we're hoping he's an assembly person or assemblyman just south of us here. He does not represent Yuba or Sutter County, but we we know him as the only real hardworking uh, assembly person we have in the state of California on the conservative side. So we've been donating to him, hoping that he can uh, get a, uh, elected to the House of Representatives or the United States Congress, either way, same, same. So he's running, and uh, he's representing just a little bit of Yuba County up in the hills, so we've been trying to get some signs up there. And unfortunately, where I live in the flatland, I wish you could file and get, a, get an exemption to move, to, you know, to stay in the same spot you live but be represented by somebody else because we got a slug that's representing us by the name of Doug LaMalfa back in Congress who uh, shows up for fundraisers along with Gallagher and— uh, and Nielsen, they show up for all their fundraisers, but they never throw down seriously against anybody. So Kylie, he's been writing blogs for quite a while now. 
And I, I kind of ran on to him during the uh, COVID uh, fraud. And so he was blogging about that all the time. And so this blog is called Our Closing Argument. So if you can donate, you say, oh, well, I'm, uh, you know, if you may think I'm not in this district, so I get a little buy on donating to him. I want you to think about the fact that many of the people that are really effective Congress people and senators don't belong to California. And unless you're willing to donate to the ones who are doing effective work around the country, you're going to lose them, too, and have nobody to represent you. So if you don't have anybody here at home to represent you properly, you should support people outside your district, as they say. So I've supported financially Kylie in talking about him. Uh, we've tried to get him to events here, and I've sent some money over there. So he says, we are three weeks from Election Day. And last night on Fox News, interviewed by Steve Hilton, I preview previewed my closing argument. In other words, like in court, they do a closing argument. So he said the 2022 midterm elections are a referendum on the historic failures of the Biden and Nancy Pelosi Congress. On Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi's Congress. And our race for the House of Representatives, the high stakes battle for a rare open seat, presents this choice as clearly as any in the country. I launched my campaign by vowing to fight Biden and Pelosi's radical agenda just as hard as I fought Newsom and the supermajority. As a, our opponent, Kermit Jones, launched his, his campaign by vowing to keep Pelosi and the House Democrats in power so they can make even more changes to our culture. That is the simple choice. Go further down the road we're on or move in a new direction. Here are five reasons for all voters, Republican, Democrat, or Independent, to vote for the new direction. First, Biden-Pelosi-Kermit agenda of even more changes means higher gas prices, higher grocery prices, more illegal border crossings, and even more crime. There's an indisputable cause and effect relationship between these policies of the last two years and the declining strength, vitality, and quality of life in, in our country. Second, the Biden-Pelosi-Kermit agenda aims to make our politics even more one-sided. We have one-party rule in Washington and one-party rule in Sacramento. That has resulted what has resulted is, is ever more extreme policies, a total lack of accountability, and the highest level of public dissatisfaction on record. Number three, the Biden-Pelosi-Kermit agenda serves special interests rather than the public interests. That's why they shut down our schools, harmed millions of kids in defiance of all data and common sense. That's why they're trying to nationalize AB5, which stole the livelihoods, of California's freelance workers as a payoff to wealthy persons. You remember, that's the gig law, that if you want to get a little side job and get a little side business going after you finish your 40, 60 hours you work for somebody else, it's illegal almost to do that anymore in California, AB5. That's a freelance, for freelancers, what we call gig. Got a little gig on the side. Fourth, the Biden-Pelosi-Kermit agenda is rooted in division. After... Uh, pledging to unify the country, Biden has demonized the opposition party unlike any president in American history. Kermit has followed this example with fear-mongering ads that even the Sacramento Bee called false. And finally, number five, the Biden-Pelosi-Kermit agenda seeks to normalize the government control of the last three years. Newsom 
gave the game away on April 1, 2020, when he declared the coronavirus an opportunity for a new progressive era predicated on expanding government and reducing our freedoms. In sum, the Bison-Pelosi-Kermit agenda takes Newsom at his word when he says California is a model for the nation. We, of course, know that California is anything but a model for the nation. It is a warning to the nation. We now have the chance to sound that warning from sea to shining sea and turn this Biden-Pelosi-Kermit agenda on its head. Here's what I want to do. I want to stop inflation, secure the border, reduce crime, and put parents in charge of their own children's education. I want to restore balance, oversight, and accountability to our government so that it truly serves the people. Finally, bringing our country together around America's founding ideals as we turn the page on this era of government control and return power to local communities and their citizens. I believe our state and country are worth fighting for. I know you do as well. It is an honor to be in the fight with you. It would be an honor to serve you in Congress. And I feel the same way. I want to give the boy a chance. And so uh, if you could send him uh, Kevin Kiley, K-E-V-I-N-K-I-L-E-Y. Very simple. So, uh, all right. If if you're looking for signs and you're up in up in the Yuba County, I just sent a bunch up there with John Missler this morning, and um, so he took about 15 or so. And I don't know whether there's any more around town or not. But if you need signs, you can text me at five three zero seven one three one eight three eight. Now, if you are wondering whether there's much of a difference between conservatives and and liberals or the left, or the right or the left. I don't use the term Republican too much in California because it doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, so uh, anyway, I'll, I'll, well, let me just say, there's a gal that runs the Republican. Oh, by the way, let me just say this about the Republican Party in California. I may have said this last week, but forgive me. Uh, the point is still relevant. So the ballots have been in people's hands now for over a week, more than a week. In other words, people could have voted. They could have did their ballot and mailed it in, did their ballot, handed it in, did their ballot. In other words, marked it, and they could physically hand it in at the polls. So many options, right? Don't you think that if you're trying to persuade the population or educate the population to vote a certain way, or vote for a certain person, that you would get your literature explaining about that person or that policy or that way out to them so they have time to read it and think about it and uh, chew on it, chew their cud, and talk to their friends about it, and then vote. So after I had my ballot, and I already blanked, I, not that I would change because I knew what I was doing, I, I opened my ballot, and I just went ahead and just marked everything and set it aside. Two or three days later, I get a mailer from the Republican, the California Republican Party. And you know what it was? It was trying to convince me to vote. Now, I, did, I, don't, I get my mail all the time. This isn't an accumulation of mail that laid around somewhere in the post office. I got it in a prop the same day they put it in there. I got it. 
It was a list of how to vote for the various propositions from the California Republican Party. You think that made me happy? I, I haven't given, I can't remember when I gave any money to the Republican Party. Have I given to candidates? All the time, give to candidates. Why don't I give the Republican Party? Because it's not really conservative, and they're incompetent. And they're led by an incompetent woman by the name of Jessica Patterson. And you know what I hear about her every time I say, what in the world has that woman done? You know what they always say? She's a big fundraiser. I thought, well, why don't they let people, why don't she let people screw them for money, screw her for money? You can make a lot of money doing that. So is that what we want as a prostitute to run the conservative party? Is it, is it like, oh, that's your skill? Fundraising? That's your skill? That's it? What do you actually stand for, believe, right? So what a, what a disaster. So this week, I notice Stacey Abrams, who ran for governor once before and lost. She thought she won, but they say she lost. And now she's running. She just is in, involved in debates with the current governor she lost to. And uh, she has come out and said... Uh, She's a major figure in Georgia, by the way. She's just not a candidate for governor. She's a major figure in raising money for the Democrat candidates and getting people to vote. She's black. So she's working hard on those black folks down there. Because in the past, they voted racist. They vote like 95 to 97% black. It's like doesn't matter what the folks did. They just, if they're the right, they're the right flavor, they're going to get their vote. So... Uh, Stacey Abrams, this is this is amazing. This is how far apart we are in this country. Now, let me back. I want to talk about abortion for something because she brought it up. She she said this about abortion. She said that we could fight inflation by killing babies. I'm going to say that again. We have a political candidate that says we need to abort our babies to stop inflation, to slow down inflation. She said, having children is why you're worried about your price of gas. In other words, if you didn't have any kids, you wouldn't be running them around. It's why you're concerned about how much the food costs are. In other words, if you don't have anybody to feed, you just have to feed. You can get the $1 taco and feed yourself. In other words, you don't, if you don't have any kids, you don't have any food costs. In other words, instead of dealing with the f- cost of food, instead of dealing with the cost of gas, she just said, let's just kill the kids. I'm telling you, this is what she said with quotes around it. She says, for women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce carrying an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having that child. In other words, Maybe you have an unwanted child. You didn't plan on it, but you're going to raise it. And she says it's going to cost you money. And that's and therefore you're going to have the impact of inflation on you. So that's a good reason to go get an abortion. I guess many people have criticized Abrams saying that ending pregnancies would help solve inflation. Can you imagine? And this person almost became governor of Georgia. Ted Cruz says, this is despicable. I can't believe this needs to be said, but ending a human life is not the solution for inflation. Tom Fitton, 
with Justice Watch or Judicial, Ju- Judicial Watch describes it as a culture of death. Now, if you don't know much about history, which I don't blame you, the way they teach history in school is uber boring. But I've, I've uh, begun to dip into history since on my own. And uh, let's see, what was I going to tell you about this? So this is what I'm going to tell you. So much of abortion, I've been aware of wide open abortion since the mid 80s and have been trying to work against the the openness of abortion and the willingness for people to kill their kids. For many women and for many doctors who justify doing abortions, it's it they talk about convenience and ruining the person's future and uh, their opportunities and all that kind of stuff. It, it wasn't an, they didn't need to abort the child because the child was dead in the womb or the child was severely deformed. Uh, it was about this woman did not want to have this child. It wasn't the right timing for. If you go back in history, there's something devilish, and I mean literally devilish, about the tendency of humans in different cultures to purge and kill their children. And I don't have time to do a whole show on it today. But there were various and very, and we're talking about not just a couple cultures. We're talking about worldwide different cultures where people were trying to appease the demons. They believed in the underworld, the, the unseen world. They believed in the, the evil world, demons. And I used to talk to the Hmong about this. The Hmong people, H-M-O-N-G, from Southeast Asia and Southern China. And the ones who follow the shaman, uh, shaman, shaman, they believed that they had to deal with the demons and they were constantly killing off their assets or throwing $100 bills in the air and lighting them on fire because they would always be sacrificing their pigs, their chickens, and all their other creatures and letting out their blood to do a number of things, have a good harvest, have a good planting, have a child, become pregnant, all those kind of things. They were sacrificing all the assets. So the Hmong were some of the poorest of the poor because they were constantly appeasing demonic spirits. The same thing happened. You can read it all the way through the Bible. Uh, Different cultures uh, sacrificed kids in the fire. They burned them to death. They, they, there were various uh, terms in different cultures for the same demon god. One was Molech, M-O-L-E-C-H. And people took their newborn children and didn't uh, abort them. They, they birthed them. And then they laid them into the stone hands or bronze hands of this idol that had a fire going underneath, just like putting them on the grill of a barbecue pit. And they burned him to death. And they did it by the millions. And because of that, God became so infuriated because Israel got caught up in it uh, that he he punished Israel for for taking innocent blood. Now, we've been taking innocent blood left and right and left and right. 
in this country, 50 million kids and growing every single day. And uh, so now uh, we're faced with the same thing of people like Stacey Abrams blaming children for inflation instead of the government. Any economist will tell you printing huge amounts of money and putting restrictions on the economy and stopping fossil fuels and and becoming dependent on other countries will drive inflation through the roof. That's exactly what's happened. It's been a conscious it's been a conscious policy decision by the Biden administration. And now we have these leading Democrat politicians endorsing it and putting it back on families that if that really if you would appease the Biden demon god by killing your child, that would help inflation. It's the same nonsense when they talked about COVID that even though the shot may be dangerous, you should take it for the sake of society. That is crazy, people. That's insanity talk. That's uh, people talking that's been on drugs. That's people talking that are deceived and they don't have any moral compass. They don't have a moral plumb line in, in, their, in their lives. Uh, from which they make decisions. Now that's St- Stacey Abrams, and she is lost in space, baby. Uh, so we have some clips uh, about some of these things. I won't. I'm not going to talk about them because uh, I don't want to waste time talking about things that others can do better. So this Isaac Shore, S C H O O S C H O R, and Brittany Bernstein wrote an article and uh one of the quotes from their article is that fauci has become a symbol for many of all that was wrong with the public policy response to the pandemic fauci has become a symbol for many of all that has that has gone wrong with the public policy response to the pandemic okay so we have, as I started off the show today, talking to you about government officials running for the uh, closet to hide or to hide under the couch because they don't want to be shackled or collared with the fact that they, at their hands, many, many kids were damaged, brain damaged, heart damaged, adults died, tens of thousands died in rest homes for no, no reason just because it was bad public policy. We'll be right back for our post. about Asian Americans who often seem to, as a group, perform better in school than oh, yes. other groups? Why is that? Uh, I, I, th- I think the one four-letter word we can't use is work. Uh, and they, they just work. I mean, I, I remember when I was teaching at UCLA and I had to go on a Saturday night to, do, to the research library. And as I looked around, uh, almost everybody I saw was Asian American. Uh, I looked in vain for any black students there, not many white students there. Uh, so the following week when I 
you know, go to class and I find the Asian Americans better prepared, there's no real mystery to it to me. They work. If they can't do that in safety, then um, a lot of times people find elsewhere to live. And so we've drawn a very hard line on that here. We're a law and order state. Uh, we're going to make sure that, that we keep the streets safe. And part of the reason, part of the way you do that is by supporting the people that wear the uniform. So we saw what was going on in other parts of the country. We saw what was going on with, yes, defunding. You had some of these prosecutors that won't prosecute criminals. You can steal from stores and they don't care in San Francisco, steal $900 worth of stuff as long as you don't steal over 1000 They just let you get away with it with, with no penalty. And so you see all this stuff that's happened. Uh, there have been a lot of media attacks on law enforcement trying to create narratives that has been damaging. So bottom line is you have uh, police departments across this country that the people that are out there uh, risking their lives do not have the support of politicians, media, community, and that's not a good situation. Morale is very low, and we've seen the morale really since the Floyd riots has been probably the lowest we've seen in a long time. And so we saw an opportunity in Florida to say, you know, uh, we want to reward people who are going into this profession. We want to value people that are going into this profession. So we enacted, I propose in the legislature, enacted a program for recruitment bonuses for law enforcement personnel. So if you're coming from one of those states or one of those other cities where you're not being treated well and you come to take a job in any of our departments, municipal, county, or state, any of the agencies in law enforcement function, uh, you qualify for a $5,000 bonus. And not just for people coming from out of state, if you have new people within Florida who have not been in law enforcement and they make the decision to go into law enforcement, they are also eligible for the bonuses that we were able to enact. And so, you know, there's some places where law enforcement's targeted. We're doing the $5,000 bonus here, which is uh, uh, going out in a much better direction. I think people appreciate it. So look, with all due respect, Nothing you have said here is remotely credible. If you think that withdrawing Title 42 will decrease illegal immigration, I mean, I invite you to have that discussion with the members of, the, of this committee, maybe particularly on the Democrat side. I think they'd be fascinated to hear that. I mean, I'm, believe me, I'll, I'll help them. I'm happy to talk about your testimony today. I'll be telling everybody about it. But you, you have single-handedly, single-handedly, forced on this country a mass crisis that is endangering children, that is leading to an avalanche of drugs in my state, that is increasing criminality. And for you to sit here and tell me that, that eliminating Title 42 is a solution and that nothing you have done has had any consequence and that border walls aren't effective and that third safe agreements aren't effective and remain in Mexico isn't effective, frankly, sir, you have no credibility whatsoever and neither does the administration that you work for. It's hard finding a good job. I was on an interview, the lady asked me if I'd pass a drug test. I was like, if it's written. Uh, yeah. She goes, you're going to need to pee in a cup. Yeah. I was like, in that case, I'm going to need a month to study for it.
All right, I want to give uh, <clears throat> a couple comments here about folks that are helping us stay on the air, KMYC air, or stay on the internet. That'd be No Hostages Radio. And that is uh, the guys over at thriftyrooter.net, the guys and the ladies. It is a co-ed operation. Thriftyrooter.net serves Northern California. They're based in, in Sutter County, but they're all over Yuba, Sutter Heavy, and then out into the surrounding areas. And they do all kinds of things. Somebody said, oh, I don't think they're like, somebody commented the other day, I think I don't think they do all kinds of plumbing. Well, I'll tell you, I don't, I'm not a specialist in the plumbing profession. But I want you to go over to thriftyrooter.net and look at the list, the menu of things they do. It's kind of like deciding where you want to go eat. And then they say, well, what do they have there to eat? And they say, I don't know, the menu's like five, six pages long, like the the Thai place I just started going to, it's called, it's on 4th Street next to where we do the radio show. It's called the uh, Thai Kitchen. Let's see, Tao Kitchen Thai Cuisine. And they're, they have page after page after page of menus. So Plumbing Doctor has a big menu of things they do, from sending little creatures down down the uh pipelines to see what's doing what's crazy down there so they have to fix it why it's doing what it's doing they can uh, pump out your septic systems a lot of plumbing operations don't do that they don't have the big tank trucks they can do that they can help you figure out the leach line problems that the lines in and the lines out of your septic system i used to have be in places where we had septic systems that's a unique problem that you have to maintain plumbing doctor or the uh Thrifty Rooter can take care of your business, and they'll do it quick. People told me, like, Lou, they, they were, from the time I called them, they were, like, there in 15 minutes at my house. I thought, that's incredible. So uh, check out their website, thriftyrooter.net. You can actually send them a message, which is pretty cool. You don't even need to dial them up You can if you want to do it in the middle of the night. But they actually, I think, have uh, responders in the middle of the night as well. But you can just send them a message, put down your problem, what you need, the address, the phone number, your name, boom, send it over there in the middle of the night if you don't need services in the middle of the night. However, you can dial them up at Old School at 530-673-8201, 673-8201. Not all plumbing operations are the same, and some just are a better deal than others. You get the same job for less money. Don't you like that sound? I want to also mention uh, North Valley Paralegal. I was just on the phone with uh, Nellie Garcia, and, and we were talking about a friend of ours. She was helping them with a probate problem. They got all fouled up with the probate on their grandma, and it's become a frustration among the family members. And she took a look at it and said, well, this, 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 and this is wrong, and we need to fix it and got them all scored away, at least a scored away on what we need to do to fix it. And she was telling me about it because I referred this fellow, a friend of mine, to her. So uh, also I was telling her I was going over to meet with the assessor's office at Yuba County regarding some property that the church took over in Marysville. And churches have special tax benefits on their property. So I told her I was going over there. She said, listen, if you need any problems, I understand all about tax-exempt property. So uh, North Valley Paralegal, that's Nellie Garcia I'm talking about, and she knows a lot about a lot of stuff. And so 751 Sutter Street in Yuba City, and she can hook you up. But if you don't want to drive over there 
and just walk in, you could call and make an appointment. And that will be efficient for everybody involved. So you can dial her up at 530-751-9289, 751-9289. That's North Valley Paralegal. Many, 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 many of the things that you go, you think, oh, I need to go get an attorney. You can. Attorneys will do it. They'll just charge you about $300, $400 an hour. And you could get as fast a deal, nicer people, and uh, less money with North Valley Paralegal. Right down the street from North Valley Paralegal, within a stone's throw, is my favorite auto body place. They fixed up my car, made it look like new, and that's Allen's Auto Body. And I went to them, not because I went around and got bids, because I knew them. I know their integrity. I know the quality of work they do, and they're just super, super nice people. That's Kevin and Kelly Clark run it, but they're, it's family run. They have other workers, but their family works there. And they've been doing this for decades. Kevin has been an auto body guy for decades. And so go see Allen's Auto Body. Their last name is Clark, Kevin and Kerry Clark, but it's Allen's Auto Body. At Tea Garden at Sutter Street, that's just, you can see North Valley Paralegal from their place. But their place is really flashy. They got a yellow racing stripe around the building, right on the corner of Tea Garden and Sutter. Call them at 530-671-1057, 671-1057, and they will uh, take care of you. That is a landline, so if you, I wouldn't text it if I were you. Probably something will come out and bite you in the face. All right, so I'm going to go down here and uh, get back to what I was talking about. So Isaac Shore and Brittany Bernstein said Fauci has become a symbol for many of all that was wrong with public policy response to pandemic. Do you think it's a a coincidence? You know, the Jews, God's people, God's chosen people didn't believe there was any such a thing as a coincidence. Do you know people tell me that read Hebrew that there's no word in the Hebrew language that means coincidence? like the happenstance, a coincidence. Do you think it's unusual that Fauci retired right about now? And do you think it's unusual that he refuses to tell the 1,000 to 2,000 workers for the National Institute of Health which workers get bonuses and spiffs from the pharmacy industry? Don't you think this is odd? how the, how the uh, pharmacy industry gets to keep their own patents now. They work for the government. They get paid for the government. Even if they don't perform very well, they get paid by the government. Then they get bonuses, and they can receive be- the financial benefits of patents, and they can get spiffs from pharmaceutical industry that they're supposed to be checking and overseeing. So, uh, so this is about closing schools. And... Uh, just checking my phone here. As soon as I start doing something else, it gets busy. So, uh, Fauci says, did you notice that the schools were closed? Did you have kids in school or relatives in school and then they couldn't go to school? And did you, was it confusing to you? Did you think that just the school principal got up and got a bean up her nose or she got a, you know, pimple on her rear end? and decided to uh, cancel school? Did you actually think it was the government that canceled school? It's amazing how the stories are changing. Oh, well, we didn't didn't tell you you had to get the jab. 
maybe he shouldn't have taken the jab. If he didn't, he, if he didn't want to, he didn't have to take it, right? So this is uh, Fauci saying, and at one point over the, his career, his COVID career, he said, I had nothing to do. I had nothing to do with closing the schools, according to anti-Fauci, and keeping them closed. I had nothing to do with it. I swear to God. Remember, I don't know if you went through that phase in school where we all swore to God, even though we didn't even know there was a God. I swear to God, man. Right? He is the nation, Fauci is the nation's highest paid bureaucrat, even higher than Hardeep Singh of Sutter County, who gets almost $700,000 for being a psychiatrist, a shrink. He said, this guy says, well, we've known for a long time that one size fits all shutdowns of businesses and schools to mitigate or to stop the spread of COVID was almost certainly too draconian. Fauci, the author of much of the shutdown policy not long ago, said he would have been even more draconian. In other words, he said, man, he said, I would have liked to like do it a lot more intense. Is that amazing to you? However, over this last weekend, he went to his favorite place on television to plead not guilty to take any blame on the school closures that so completely damaged children. That's interesting to me. Nobody wants to take any responsibility. Dr. Mingla Liu, who is, is uh, involved over here in Yuba Center, she don't want to take any responsibility. The state of California is not taking any responsibility. Dr. Fauci's not taking it. According to Fauci, and Shoren Bernstein, they quote him, said he had nothing to do with ensuring that American kids spent months at home suffering irreversible learning loss while their counterparts in Europe returned to the classroom without incident. Unfortunately for Fauci, there's a long trail, they say, of clips and quotes to convict him of not just the original offense, but perjury as well. That's what Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, continues to say. You perjured yourself before Congress. Of course, no one could blame old Fauci for in March 2020 recommending school closures as a mitigation strategy. Little was known. They say little was known around the United States about the virus at the time. Like, oh, this thing could kill everybody. That's what they were telling us. You remember that? So precautions had to be taken. But then in the summer of 2020, after that school year, after the evidence showed that children were largely just totally immune from the virus, virus, Fauci ends up saying, while there should be general attempt to reopen schools for the next year, that fall, he had some misgivings. He says, however, and I underline however, having said the school should open, what is paramount is the safety and welfare of the children and their teachers. Do you know what the odds are of a child at school getting COVID and dying? Much lower, much, much, much lower than his chance of arriving at school with his mama in a car. In other words, there's a risk of getting hit by another car. Fauci then submitted that they should open only if you have a very, very, very low level of infection. Have you ever gone to school, any of you out there? You remember those school years when lots of people got the flu or got ringworms or lice 
or the chicken pox or measles and a bunch of people got it and even some of the teachers got sick and had to you had to have a substitute you ever have a substitute you ever wonder how come we have a substitute man mr jones is sick oh my god was it very very low level of infection we created an entire fiasco out of a nothing burger as someone once said Fauci's position was pretty hard to nail down and keep consistent. His position seemed to change not so much with the science, but with the shifting of political winds. Shore and Bernstein conclude. Fauci contributed to closures, not just by his rhetoric directly relating to schools, but by spending a considerable airtime on television, making people feel really afraid of the virus and, and the the fact that they just didn't have any mitigation strategies. As of late July 2021, Fauci was still suggesting that fully vaccinated Americans should continue to wear masks. Do you remember hearing that? You remember he said, we're going to get back to normal, no masks. You can go back to school. You can go back to the bar. You can go back to your drug classes, your AANA meetings. Just get jabbed. Then he turned around and said, no, 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 you can't do all that still. You got to get jabbed plus do everything else. Remember that? Fauci funded the... Fauci actually funded. Do you hear what I said? He provided the funding of the gain-of-function research that likely started the entire pandemic, not in China, but here. He was a slippery advocate of overly draconian measures and apparently learned nothing from the failure of those measures. He then took the golden parachute of a lucrative retirement after having cashed in a big time on the pandemic. What do you mean cashed in big time? That means he's making money off the pandemic and the chemicals and the drugs and the PPE and all the stuff that you're getting. He's getting a kickback. Do you think that's correct? I don't either. Fauci and all the po politicians, all of them that got behind this, deserve our resistance, our ire, and our pushback. And if we can get them arrested, we should arrest all of them. We should arrest all of them. This is this is so amazing. Let me let me talk about remember Eric Swalwell who was sleeping with a Chinese female spy? Have to say female. Now Eric is a male, she's a female. So at least he got the gender straight, right? So he has a family. He has a wife and family down here in the Bay Area, and he was uh, be, be, he was befriended. And this lady helped him with his campaign, uh, helped him with money. He ended up helping her have sex. And uh, Eric Falwell, like uh, Gary Bradford, who's the uh, Plumas Lake supervisor over here in Yuba County. Gary Bradford fell in love with Zoom 
as many supervisors fell in love with Zoom and not having the public in their meetings. In fact, if they, we wouldn't have protested and twisted their arms and and stood out in front of their meetings with signs, they probably would have never voluntarily opened the meetings up and put the seats back next to each other instead of 12 feet apart and got rid of all the masks. Gary Bradford even said that the that the Zoom was better than than offering just meeting in person. He's obviously an idiot because many people in Yuba County do not have the type of uh, computer system that they could put Zoom on, and they don't have Zoom on it, and it's not easy to download. Maybe it was for Bradford. Lots of other people needed the app to help figure out how to use the app once it's there. It was a ripoff, right? So it says here, Eric Swalwell does not like to go to work in Washington. He lives in California, but he does not like to fly back there. He really loves to travel around the world on your dime. Thanks to San Fran Nan, which is Nancy Pelosi, all he has to do is ask for a proxy. I want you to hold that term, proxy. What's proxy mean? All he has to do is ask for a proxy due to his fear of COVID, and he is allowed to give a proxy to another. In other words, if he's fearful of COVID, he could he could still vote, and he can let someone else vote in his stead in, in present time in the Congress while he is in outer Slombodia says Dem Eric Swalwell, who has submitted the highest, a second highest number of I am unable to physically attend proceedings in the House chamber due to the ongoing public health emergency proxy letters. He delivers this letter saying I'm unable to physically attend because of COVID. During that time, he spent $250,000. That's a quarter of a million dollars for you out there in Oliverston and Linda on travel and car service in the, in the first nine months of the year. Just in nine months, he spent a quarter of a million dollars on travel and car services. During the pandemic, to explain the proxy letters, the House started offering its members the opportunity to have other members vote for them because of the ongoing public health emergency. That might have been understandable when people were freaked out initially in the early days. You remember flattened the curve? Although I don't think they were ever should have done that that way. But it's been more than two years now. Biden has declared the pandemic only over. And so why are we still doing proxy letters? It's the guy says it's an excuse for people not to show up to do their job and skip out if they have nothing else to do. If they have other things to do. At the last convention, this is a similar situation. Now, that's what's going on and still today in Washington, D.C. You can just call in and have somebody. You don't even have to show up to vote. You can just be sitting on the beach somewhere, kicking back, and just not wanting to travel back to that day. So another similar situation is the California Republican Party, which I'm fascinated with because of the massive waste and, and the fact that they have no interest in, in uh, recruiting people to, to join their party. It's interesting. In other states, people 
like Tulsi Gabbard, just left the Democrat Party. I don't know whether she joined the conservative party or she's just an independent, but she left. Right. People are changing parties. We'll be right back. All right. We're going to give it to you right now. <laughs> oh, Romeo and Juliet. Samson and Delilah. Slavery has been a universal institution for thousands of years, as far back as you can trace human history. And what we're looking at is if slavery is something that happened to one race of people in one country, when in fact the, 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 the spread of it was around the world. In, in 1776, which is when Adam Smith published The Wealth of Nation, as mm -hmm. well as when the United States got started, he said that Western Europe is the only place in the world where there is no slavery. Uh, and even in the Western, even the Western Europeans had vast numbers of slaves in the Western in, Hemisphere, yes. but not in Western Europe itself. And so if you're going to have reparations for slavery, it's going to be the greatest transfer of wealth back and forth. Because the, the number of, of whites, for example, who were enslaved in uh, North Africa by the Barbary pirates exceeded the number of Africans enslaved in the United States Last spring break, I went on a trip with a hundred other Harvard undergraduates to Israel. It was one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life, and I will always be grateful to Harvard for that. I recalled the trip with awe and joy, but a certain moment rattled me. Our group attended a Shabbat dinner at a Tel Aviv synagogue. The rabbi proclaimed, welcome to Israel. You are all here from America, the best country in the world. He paused, but not a single person clapped. The Israelis stared in disbelief. Americans are the freest, most privileged people on earth. Yet many of us are ashamed to show any, even the tiniest trace of national pride. Why? because we Americans of recent generations have been swaddled in prosperity and security and in consequence have become ungrateful for the blessings we enjoy. It requires vigorous athletic imagination for most of us to consider the basic brutal realities that much of the world experiences daily. Even worse, we have consumed a cultural diet that reduces America to its ugliest moments and dismisses its noble ideals and accomplishments as jingoism. This nation saved the world from global catastrophe three times in the 20th century. This nation has grown to treat racial, ethnic, and religious minorities with equality and respect compared to other places and times on earth. This is the nation where people are not constrained by their gender, religion, or class, but can work to achieve a better life. In this nation, 
we can criticize our government, secure in the knowledge that we will rise the next morning and our country will still respect our rights. We view these things to be our birthright, our permanent and guaranteed condition, but they are not. They exist only because past generations have sacrificed to secure and maintain them. And to our discredit, we have used these blessings not to strengthen our country, but to tear it down. We members of this university and we Americans have shirked our responsibility as the most privileged cohort on earth. We have remained cringingly silent in the face of corrosive ideas, woke culture, that has corrupted our institutions and severed the bonds that hold our country together. The New York Times won a Pulitzer Prize for reporting that the sole purpose of the American Revolution was to preserve slavery. And we remain silent. The Oregon Department of Education asserts that showing your work and finding the right answer in math is white supremacist. And we remain silent. The American Medical Association has stated that the U.S. should remove gender from birth certificates. And we remain silent. Howard Zinn, the author of the most widely read history text in American public schools, said that America has done, quote, more bad than good. And we remain silent. We are ashamed to be American. The shame should be on us. Too many use their right to free speech to advocate suspending it for all who disagree with them. What a litany of dishonesty. We are using our privilege to undermine the very system that has given us that privilege. America, despite its failings, is the last great stand on earth. We must speak up against this now, or our civilization will face a somber reckoning. Thank you. Let me tell you how you lose a culture war. You have black pastors in black churches giving sermons like this. Our nation is, is gone mad. I hope y'all like y'all's president. Because in a year's time, he screwed the whole nation up. A year ago, you would pay him $2 a gallon for gas. Yeah, let's take it where you can relate. And you're paying almost $4 now because of his decisions. Two million people have crossed our borders uh, from Mexico. Now he's getting political. No, kingdom. People who cross the border illegally, your government is flying them to cities across the United States and putting them up in hotels and paying for them with your money. Uh, there won't be a Biden regime if black churches talk and this way. Only took a year to screw the country up. This is our fifth segment, and um, 
Let me give a little shout out here to a couple other people. We've got Monty Hecker with Elite Universal Security. Operates out of Yuba County, but operates all over Yuba Sutter counties and up in the exterior uh, counties surrounding us. We got about 24 counties of the 58 that are up here in Northern California. Big, broad pieces of property, not congested like in San Francisco or LA or San Diego. Elite Universal Security provides all the security imaginable from technological security to people driving around, walking around. Uh, checking in on you, all kinds of things, as well as helping you learn how to handle a gun or chemicals that can protect you. They can brainstorm on who's doing what to you and why and what's going on and how can we stop it. They also are looking for workers. So if you're if you're listening to my show and you're out there in some county called the Abigadula County in Northern California, give Monty a call. Now here's Monty Hecker's number at Elite Universal Security at 530-749-0280. That's a landline, 749-0280. And they have dispatchers there working basically around the clock, dispatching their employees to keep people safe. And, baby, there's never been a time since I've been alive when that wasn't more necessary because the cops— do not have the same laws that we used to have just several years back where we could arrest people for stealing. Now they just cite and release them. It's a terrible thing. But they're just carrying out the law. They're law enforcement. They're not law creators. And so Elite Universal Security can give you a hand where the government cannot. So 530-749-0280, give them a call. You can also look at their websites at EliteUniversalSecurity.com or api-academy.com, which is where their training, a lot of their training is done, information and training. So give them a shout-out, okay? And then the plumbing doctor, uh, Ted Holmes, runs the plumbing doctor as well as a couple other businesses. He has a Ted Holmes construction and lift-off floor removal. If you need any of those things, you can give him a shot. Give him a shout and a shot. Uh, the plumbing doctor is 530-671-9111, 530-671-9111. And uh, finally, we got Dave Green's construction. He, he had relatives in this weekend. I saw him. He's all kicking back. But I think his crews were working hard at it. He's got a number of crews specializing in kitchen and bath remodel. Can he do other things? Yep, he can. But he's become a little hot number for knocking out kitchens and baths and making them look like a million dollars. So he's not, he's never charged anybody that much, but sometimes people don't want to leave their kitchen or their bath. They just want to sit in there all night, get a sleeping bag, and just camp out in there. It's so impressive. So don't take my word for it. Go online to Greenitz, green with E-T-Z on the end, construction.com, or you can go to Dave Greenitz construction facebook page and you could find some before and after shots there and he constantly is updating them he doesn't steal them off the internet those are his jobs and the work of his great sub subcontractors so you can reach him by dialing or texting 530-682-9602 530-682-9602 you got it okay give him a shout out told him you Tell them you listen to Live with Lou, and, and maybe they'll give you a deadhead discount. All right, so uh, let's see. 
I don't know whether I read this after the Roger Helley article. This is by Samuel Adams in 1781. I don't know how old Samuel was then, but usually we think of all these guys as old, 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 and a lot of them weren't. And you might be surprised at how long, how young, and how much wisdom some of them had. Samuel Adams in 1781 said, Let each citizen remember at the moment he is offering his vote that he is not making a present or a compliment to please a person, or at least that he ought not to do so, but that he is executing one of the most solemn trusts in human history for which he is accountable to God and his country. Now, why would Samuel Adams get all lathered up about voting and call it such a unique activity and a solemn trust? Because where he came from and the generations he was raised in, nobody gave you a say-so. Isn't that amazing? No one gave you a say-so. So that's just something to think about. So I was reading you about Fauci's revisionist history. And uh, the fact that he funded the gain-of-function research. Now, you, you must have seen articles just right now. I don't know whether it's University of Pittsburgh. Somebody has now got the COVID they you weaponize the COVID to be, is it 80% fatal? Like, what are these people doing this for? Have you ever asked that? Why are they equipping these nominal COVID viruses that are no big deal to be these destructive ailments? So Fauci funds the gain-of-function research that will likely start the likely started the pandemic. He was a slippery advocate of overly draconian measures and apparently learned nothing from the failure of those measures. He then took the golden parachute of a lucrative retirement after having cashed in big time on the pandemic. I am not the only one saying this, people. This dude's saying he cashed in big time. Finally, his last sentence, was there ever a D.C. bureaucrat more deserving of American ire, I-R-E. You know what ire means? That means being really pissed, furious with him, ire, gnarly. All right. I'm just... uh, so let, let's go down here. Uh, let me jump back down here because I think I skipped some things on the Eric Swalwell, Jessica Patterson situation. So you, I mentioned that Eric Swalwell has not wanted to come back to Congress to be normal and to work back here in, in Washington, D.C. or back there in Washington, D.C. And... Um, So different ones could request, put a written request for a proxy letter. And then they would make sure to include them. It used to be, you know, if you didn't show up to vote at the, in the Congress, the House of Representatives or the Senate, then you couldn't vote. 
And that was a bummer when it was a real close vote, right? So she says, and he says, why is, is this still going on? She says, it's an excuse for people not to show up to do their job and skip out if they have other things to do. That's what this thing has become back east. And they're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, by the way. And then they say at the last convention of the California Republican Party, there were more proxies. It's a, it's a very common thing, I guess, now, right? There were more proxies cast than live delegates present in the meeting. That was probably at the Republican convention to nominate people for office. This writer says usually about 40% of the vote is cast by proxy. But since the Patterson machine controls the proxy, she stays in the office or in office. The party continues to pay her a quarter of a million dollars a year and still has no actionable bounty program to register voters or to find candidates to run for legislative office. In other words, they don't do anything. It used to be that if you hire some people to go out and get voters, they would actually pay the vote the uh, the solic- for soliciting. They would pay per person to get that person to sign up for for uh, to vote. So it's talking about Jessica Patterson, the Golden Girl, right? Who knows how to get money? In fact, she used her control proxies to get the CRP endorsement, the California Republican Party endorsement for Rob Bernowski for the Secretary of State, even though he has not raised any money, nor has he campaigned since he got permission to run. Both Swalwell and Patterson understand you do not have to do the work as long as you have proxies to carry out your wishes. You hearing what I'm saying, people? Total, flaky, lazy uh, screw-offs making a quarter of a million dollars a year. It just, it's out of line. Now, I, uh, I talked about this some um, last week, but I don't think I finished it. So I've been talking about Measure A, and uh, that's a... Um, sales tax increase not of one penny because that that's a euphemism it's one percent on top of what is it 7.25 percent right now in yuba city and sutter county puts it up over eight percent on every purchase eight percent of that purchase so if you buy a hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment or rv that's going to cost you another eight hundred dollars just for that one percent Now I want to tell you what it's like from you and my perspective. We have, this is from the census people. It says people in this particular survey they took complained of a serious hardship from inflation among 50% of Californians earning under $40,000 a year. Hold on. Let me get my notes. I want to give you some perspective. 
500 Sutter County employees make 90,000 and more um, and more. Now they make a lot more than 90,000 now because they've gone through a year more of increases. You know in government they give you automatic pay raises. 850 employees make $53,000 and more working for the county. But 500 make 900,000 to 694,000. 450 make 95,000 to 697,000. 400 make 100,000 up to 697,000. 350 employees make 105,000 up to 697,000. Now, I just mentioned to you among 50% of Californians earning under $40,000 a year, among 46% of Latinos, 45% blacks, and among 43% of Californians earning from 40000 to less than 80000 a year, they all say this is a terrible hardship on us. So it says because inflation is a forty is at a forty year high in in the U.S. The highest price increases have been in food, airfare, natural gas, health insurance, tra- public transport. Butter is up thirty two point two percent. Eggs are up thirty point five percent. It's not just eight percent, people. Vegetables have gone up. 16% in 30 days. Fresh and dried vegetables up 15.7% for the month, 40.2% for the year. Grains up 10.7% for the month, 30.4% for the year. Fresh eggs up 16.7% for the month and 97.3% for the year. Baked goods 0.8 tenths percent for the month and 14% for the year. Pasta up 1.1% for the month and 34.1% for the year. Now, they want to add sales tax, more sales tax to all your taxable purchases. That means your gas. Why? Let me just back up and say this. If the supervisors had lost a child to the jab, do you think they'd be endorsing the jab like they are? Or endorsing Dr. Mengelalu? No way. If the supervisors had had to shut down their business as non-essential, do you think they may have been looking for a way out of it for all the population? I think so. But they didn't have those kind of businesses. On and on and on it goes, people. So people that are earning 300, 350,000, 400,000. I got six people from 346,000 to 694,000. That's how much they get paid. Psychiatrists. You think we could do without any psychiatrists on the government payroll? You say, oh, no, Lou. We got to, you know, well, if, if things are so bad and people can't find their own psychiatrist and pay for it? Maybe we could even give them a voucher. What if we just turned over meat, bread, and beer to the government to distribute? You want to trust them with that? 
Steve Smith makes probably 350000 a year, but he can't do the job on his own, so he hires a health, he, he has, hires a assistant administrator at 252000 probably 260000 now. So between them, we're paying Steve Smith and his assistant almost $600,000. Is there anything about that that seems right to you? That seems like a good value to you? So what we have here is, I'm going to look at the historical per capita income or the historical household income. Per capita income in Sutter County, 30,000. This isn't, this is 30,411. You know what the per capita income in in uh, the state is thirty nine thousand nine almost almost ten thousand higher. In the U.S. is thirty five thousand. Sutter County lags behind all of them. That's not the people's fault. For that's not the people's fault. I want to give you. Uh, there was another set of figures I wanted to dial in if I could, but I may not be able to spot them right here. Per capita income in 2019 for Sutter County, 30411 Sutter County median per capita income is $8,982 lower. What you're talking about, so then it goes on here and it says median family income. Median income means it's not an average that you take You take and you spread all your salaries from the lowest to the left to the most expensive to the right, and you pick the salaries that are right dead in the middle. That would be the median. It's not an average. It's just the middle salary amongst all of them. And in 2019, it showed an inflation-adjusted median salaries at 73,000. California is 91,000. U.S. is 80,000. That's quite a ways off the rest of them. And so the Sutter County supervisors, who made hundreds of thousands of dollars individually off COVID, as well as got paid, got their insurance health insurance, got all their benefits, got their retirement. Plus, they run their own businesses. And they want you to pay another 1% tax to pay for people that are making 30000 more than you are. There's 400 people that are making a minimum of 30000 a year over you. Many of them are making... 200,000 more than you, 300,000 more than you, 400, 500, 600,000 more than you. We'll be right back to finish up our last segment. Hold tight. Can do make 
Every single hour in America, a college student earns a useless degree that doesn't lead to employment. For the low cost of $10,000, you can prevent Jimmy from having to get a real job to pay for his worthless degree. Melissa is a social media influencer with a bachelor's in mass communications. Without your aid, she'll have to give up eating at her favorite sushi restaurant four times a week with her friends. She makes prank videos on Instagram. We are currently facing the greatest crisis in the history of our country. Any idiot can get a $400,000 loan for a meaningless degree. It's not his fault he was tricked by universities with inflated tuition costs or by society making him think that he needs a degree. Rebecca is making homemade jewelry and she needs Uber Eats tonight. Will you deny her this? It may be time to learn how to weld Rebecca or start an OnlyFans for your feet. BJ's parents want him to become a doctor. You can save him with your donation for his true passion streaming on Twitch. Let's not fix the problem and take money away from the colleges. Let's use our tax dollars to help these unfortunate millennials. Send money now and you get a picture of your art major and their portfolio. Loan forgiveness is the solution and totally not a transparent attempt to buy votes. So give us your money. It's not like you know where your tax dollars are going anyway. Fucking idiot. This message brought to you by the Association of American Universities. If I was a man, and I'm not a man, but if I was a man, I wouldn't hire a woman. I wouldn't do it. And I said all the time, and I say that, and that is something that women need to consider when they're talking about this stuff. When you are saying that a man complimenting you and saying, oh, I really, I, oh, I really like your outfit today, um, is a form of sexism. What is the, if you're a man, why hire a woman, right? So you no, fought well, all this time to be able to get into the workforce only to say these are going to be the rules. You know, if you say anything, even if you compliment me, if you, if you look at me, anything, I'm going to have a reason to fight you. And by the way, you're going to want to settle and pay me because even just the stain of an accusation is enough to ruin men. So what well, is, what, if you're, if you're a guy, right, in this society, in this Me Too environment, in this, in this uh, litigation-rich environment of misogyny and sexism and all these claims, what is the value add? What's the, the risk? You know, the, the benefit and the risk. I just, I can't do the analysis and say, I'd just be like, no, I'm just gonna hire anyone. Give me all the men. Well, hello there. I am a person that thinks the way they are told to think. If you don't think the way I think, well, I'll let you know. Is she leaving her house? We're supposed to stay in our home. She wants people to die. Get back in your house, Cynthia! important that we all think the same about everything. You should be wearing a mask. You, you need to put a mask on. I know we're outside, but put, put, put it on. Put it on. The people who tell us what to think are, are, are good people. And we should think and do as they say. Yes, I just got my fourth shot. Yeah. And people that don't get their fourth shot, well, <laughs> they want this thing to last forever. Well, that's what the evening news says. Individual thought is a threat. It's a real threat to the group. So. Hi, Cynthia. Yeah, I, I noticed you didn't change your profile picture. Yeah, everyone is changing their profile picture. Yeah, you know, to show their support. So, yeah, you need to change your profile picture, okay? You need to do it. You better do it, okay? Okay. And people that don't think like the group, well, I hate to say it, but they're traitors, straight up traitors. Are you down here secretly watching Tucker Carlson? Shut this guy off! Shut, shut him off! And people that don't see it the way the group sees it are probably traitors too. You might even know some. 
Are you actually complaining about gas prices right now? <laughs> Are you a Putin puppet? Huh? You a Putin puppet? You're a fan of Putin? Are you a Russian spy? Are you a... <laughs> I can't believe this. I can't believe that I, I married a Russian spy. <laughs> so don't you be a traitor, okay? Think as you're told to think. One of the oldest stories on Earth is that this place is victim to a recurrent cataclysmic event, akin to a reset button that can send advanced civilizations back to the Stone Age in a geological instant. The Great Flood and Sodom and Gomorrah of the Bible, the three cataclysms of the Vishnu Purana, the sinking of Atlantis and Lemuria. The history of the world is rich with stories of cataclysms. The Five Sons of the Aztec teaches that the present world was preceded by four other cycles of creation and destruction. According to official records from commander of Project Nanook, Major Maynard White, the U.S. government discovered in the late 1940s that the Earth undergoes major magnetic flips about every 10,000 to 12,000 years which causes the surface of the Earth to catastrophically shift in the space of one day. This information was officially kept from the public. The mysterious Great Pyramid of Giza was built with dimensions that memorialize the golden ratio, pi, and the speed of light, and along with the Sphinx, forms a working clock of the Great Year. The Great Year is the astronomical cycle of the equinoxes around the ecliptic a cycle that repeats just about every 26,000 years, leading many to speculate that the cataclysm is a somewhat fixed event in this cycle of time. Many researchers believe that the Great Pyramid, along with several other ancient structures that memorialize the Great Year, were built to warn us about the recurrent cataclysm. Our sun has its own recurrent cycles, and in almost every cataclysm story throughout history, the sun plays a major role. Researchers have found 11, 88, 200, and 2,400 year cycles, which involve the oscillation between solar minimum and solar maximum. Solar maximum being when the sun exhibits the most sunspot and solar flare activity. Many researchers now believe that this cycle leads up to a recurrent nova of our own sun. Recurrent novas have been observed all over the night sky. The mainstream theory is that stars become congested with atmospheric material and eventually expel this material in an explosive outburst. And there is much evidence that our own sun experiences these recurrent novas, which likely is related to the solar flare and sunspot cycles. The latest research tells us that the sun is more electrical than it is nuclear fusion, and that it has an electromagnetic relationship with the Earth. This would suggest that the magnetic reversals of the Earth occurs when the sun novas. And so the big question is, when will that be? Douglas Vogt has been studying this subject for decades and predicts that a recurrent nova will next occur in 2046. He arrived at this date based on sun cycles, as well as biblical coding. The Mayan long count calendar began in 3113 BC and was marked by days, not years. 1,872,000 days. 
Nearly all sources brought the Mayan calendar to an end in 2012. By dividing the number of days by 365.24 days in the year. But Jason Brashears of Archaics.com points out the fact that prior to 713 BC, there were 360 days in the year. In 713 BC, all the civilizations of the world changed their calendars to add five days. In Persia, these extra five days became known as the bad luck days. In ancient Mexico, the useless days. And for the ancient Maya, the unlucky days. When we adjust accordingly, we have 864,000 days before the calendar change and 1,008,000 days after, which brings the Mayan calendar to an end in 2046. This also raises the question, what happened in 713 BC? According to the Bible, 86,000 people were killed by an angel that year, followed by God moving the sun by 10 degrees. Perhaps one of these cataclysms occurred that year. Ben Davidson of Suspicious Observers has been closely analyzing all this scientific data, and based on the rate of decline of Earth's magnetic field, he concludes that the solar nova will occur between 2040 and 2060. This is one of the oldest stories on Earth, and if it is true, then it would explain why so many people are convinced the world is going to end in 20 years. It would explain the entire man-made global warming cover story. It would explain the United Nations Agenda 2030. It would explain why Ray Kurzweil estimated the transhumanist singularity for 2045. And it would explain the entire outrageous, desperate transhumanist goals of the World Economic Forum. For if this is true, it would mean they are attempting to achieve the impossible, maintaining their power throughout the Earth's Great Reset. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Let me check on, uh, I have one other project that I work out with Joe Cassidy that I want to talk to you about because everybody has somebody in their life that is addicted to something and they can't figure out how to help them. And sometimes they, they don't even know where to go to get help. It's very frustrating because it's when you're somebody you really care about or it's a loved one, a family member, just to talk to somebody and to get some direction and some hope and some opportunity is a real relief. And so that's why Dr. Joe Cassidy, who works at Peachtree Health in, in uh, Linda and then sometimes up in Live Oak, we have tag teamed. I'm not a doctor. I'm just kind of a logistics guy. But he is a doctor, a general practitioner that also specializes in people who have addiction issues. And we've partnered to get people off the streets or out of their home or from wherever they are and get them off whatever they're on. That's a problem from tobacco to meth to Xanax to opiates, all the stuff. 
So what we're going to ask you to do, I'm going to give you three phone numbers. Write them down. The first one is to call Peachtree Health, and that's a general clearing uh, automatic attendant deal. Keep working your way through. Ask for Dr. Cassidy. And when they say why, like they'll say, oh, what do you, what's your problem? Just say addiction and see whether you can get an appointment and then go to the appointment. And from there, Dr. Cassidy will give you the once over physically and then talk to you about what you think you can pull off or what you're willing to do. And then he will help you. We will help you, he and I, get into a rehab. If for some reason it's frustrating or you have a hitch in the get-along getting through to Peachtree Health at 749-3242, then I want you to text Dr. Cassidy's number. Now, you may not have a phone you can text with. I just talked to a lady that had an old flip phone. And she was having a heck of a time trying to communicate with me to get information she wanted from me. So Dr. Cassidy's individual number, cell number, Text it during the day, not at night, and do not blow up his phone during the day, and don't call. Text. It's 530-75, excuse me, 530-682-8648, 682-8648. That's all you need to do is put that in there. If you don't hear back from him fairly quickly, maybe the same day, I'm going to give you my number, and I will get it all started for you, okay? And you can call me or you can text me either way. Any time of the night or day, seven days a week. Got it? So my number is 530-713-1838. 713-1838. Okay? And I will, I will get you hooked up. Now, that's the group that's uh, supporting us and making life good for us here. And uh, none of us is making any money on this deal. We're just uh, all moving forward trying to make a difference instead of making money we're trying to make a difference and uh, i'm going to just we're getting down to the uh, last portion of our hour or half hour so i'm just uh, quickly looking here for the the thing i want to just try to punch through okay All righty. There are more and more company leaders, big company leaders, big banks, the government, some of the liberals in the government have been trying to lean on corporate America to not loan money. This is like CalPERS would do. They wouldn't loan money or they wouldn't invest in anything that has to do with climate uh, like fossil fuels or those type of things the lie of fossil fuels so um, the liberals in the senate were trying and in congress were trying to put pressure on these leading corporation leaders to not invest money or loan money to research and development on oil or any other what they call fossil fuels. And thankful to Jamie Dimon, D-I-M-O-N, 
he said, no way I'm going to do that. And he wrote an article, how it's backwards, what they're doing about green energy, to look at ways to stopping natural gas, geothermal gas, water, and um, oil. It's going to break the country. Instead of like trying to come up with more thrifty and efficient and less damaging ways to do what I just said with those different resources, and at the same time, See if you can develop the battery thing better. That would be the way. In other words, it needs to be attacked just the opposite of way of the the way they're getting they're trying to get things done. And the fact that more and more people are coming out and saying that climate is nothing. Climate is just changing. Back in the seventies, they were afraid of an ice age. Now they're afraid of a, a cooling t- or a warming time. And uh, it's just the wrong approach. And the reason it's the wrong approach isn't just because conservatives look at life differently. The science does not back up or support a, a approach of green energy. I was thinking about it today because I, I, I'm, even though I'm old, I still remember what it was like in school. And, of course, in school, Maybe it was just me. I just accepted what the teacher said as the gospel truth, even though I didn't know about the gospel or the truth. I just thought if they said it, then it had been vetted. And uh, I mean, I didn't even know about the word vet, but it had, it was it was true. They wouldn't put they wouldn't tell us something that wasn't true. And unfortunately, I was mistaken. So they taught us a number of things that weren't true. They taught us that we came from a primordial slime plus time, lots of time. And that, in other words, our forefathers were primates or gorillas or monkeys. I went on from Marysville High School and went to Sac State, and I took a variety of classes there before I dropped out. One was an Anthropology 101 class. And they laid out across the table all these heads of these supposed uh, versions of what was going to become a human. None of them were actually heads that anybody had found. They actually were plaster of Paris heads kind of showing what could have been uh, the, the, the development from one stage to another. What has happened now? Now we have a school system, a government school system that is pure propaganda. They hate America. And I have a clip about this Harvard student here that uh, has talked about how people just basically hate America, though they're benefits of all the benefits of America. And uh, in in our uh, schools, many don't want to salute the flag, take the Pledge of Allegiance. They teach the kids that they may not be a boy, they may be a girl, or they may not be a girl. I think I'm, you might have, you may actually be a boy in a girl's body. They teach them multiple, I, I listed all the genders last week. They're teaching multiple genders. I At one point, as a parent, do you just think, I'm not going to deal with this people, my kids coming home like this. 
and have to unravel this nonsense. So we have the fact that we came from a monkey. Then we have the fact that the world will end in 12 years. Now, maybe you have the ability to sort that out or you don't think that's going to happen, but your kid, when it, that kid is told by a, a teacher, a zealous teacher, that they only have 12 years to live. Do you think that might get an attention? Most kids don't even think about their parents dying, right? They think their parents are always going to be around. But if they could see into the future, they may know that their parents are going to die in three years. Do you think that'd get their attention? Yeah. So when you tell a youngster that they're going to die in 12 years, I'm telling you people, that is bad for mental health because it's not true and it's it's putting the fear of uh, the fear uh, of it's an evil fear is what it is. It's an evil fear. And I just want to say that if your kids are in those schools, uh, they're in a bad place, really bad place. I, my parents, I overheard a few conversations When they were thinking about sending me to, I hadn't been a particularly uh, poor performer or anything in, in grammar school, but when it came to high school, they actually discussed sending me to a military school or a boarding school, one of those type of things. And I didn't really know much about them. And I just knew who my friends were and where they were going to go to school. And so I was wondering, I didn't really give too much input, but they decided to just go probably maybe out of cost, they decided to go with the government system. The government system in those days was a good, they were good educated, they were good people. There were patriots, there were teachers that were older, uh, that probably at, towards retirement, maybe they were, uh, they were, patri they certainly were patriots. Some had fought in World War II. And uh, in general, it was a, it was a good experience, but they taught things that weren't true, like they taught evolution. And now they, they're teaching global warming, and they're teaching all kinds of nonsense stuff. So uh, I, I want you to, I want to give an example of that. It says, Southern California superintendent defends seventh grade boy. I want you to think about this. Seventh grade masturbating in front of the classmates. The superintendent claimed it was totally normal. Now, I don't know whether he just heard the part of the deal where the boy masturbated or where he just missed the part. It was in front of the students in the classroom. This is super serious. And there's a clip today I'm playing you about a... Uh, a trans, a transsexual in in a uh, compromising situation in the classroom, said a California superintendent, M Mark McLaughlin of Conejo Valley Unified School District, admonished parents for bringing up the issue during a school board meeting. In other words, he he complained about parents complaining. McLaughlin disclosed that similar offenses occur at least once a year in their district which he said normalize the, the incident. 
I want you to think about your school. I don't ever remember anybody in K through 12 masturbating in class, in front of the class. This was in front of the class, not just like he was trying to hide in the corner. Do you ever remember that? I totally missed that. I never remember anybody talking about it at snack break, lunch break, afternoon break, at the, at the workouts for basketball or football. I don't ever remember anybody talking about that. I don't think, McLaughlin says, I don't think any of you want us up here chatting about an issue that took place with your child. I thought, oh, really? I would say that at least once a year this comes up from both males and females within a school setting. And so I don't think this is anything outside the norm. In other words, in that school, the norm, I want you to listen to me, people. This is serious stuff. This is a public, this is a government school, tax-funded government school, seventh grade. This is what we call a middle school. And this superintendent or this principal, whatever he is, is saying it's common in this school district for girls and boys to masturbate in front of the other students. McLaughlin issued those remarks in response to testimony of Carrie Burgett, the mother of one of the alleged victims. Victim would be somebody that witnessed that and complained. Burgett shared that her daughter and other classmates alleged witnessing seventh grade boy masturbating while in the class in May. Burgett added that the principal informed district leadership, but she has yet to hear back from the district office all these months. Listen, you think that's weird? It is. That's typical. The women I talk to, the women I, I wish I had a picture of the high school pictures. I wish I had a, a high school photo of all the women that talk to me as adult mothers now about Jim Whitaker, who was a health and athletic teacher, uh, PE teacher at Yuba City High School, that he molested them. And you know what they did? They, re- they reported it as good students to the administration. And you know what the administration did? Nothing. They did, they did make some remarks in the personnel file that we are eventually able to get. They did nothing. Wouldn't it be something if I could get the high school photographs of the gir- all the girls that admitted or confessed that he touched their breasts, etc.? And publish that and says, but the police of Yuba City, the district of Yuba City, hi, and the district attorney of Sutter County did nothing. Just like Mr. McLaughlin, when Burgett went to the, actually, she went to the district office. She said, I only know this because my daughter told me in the car when I picked her up saying her friends were disturbed, traumatized, and scared. I would think they'd be scared, females. Guy pulls his wanker out and starts to do his thing in front of everybody in the seventh grade. Like, where is this going to end up if this is, like, normal? Burgett blamed CVUSD, that's the school system, for the boys' behavior, accusing the district of a lax dress code 
and exposing junior high students to inappropriate adult topics like oral and anal sex. Do you think, is that what you want? Is you want these teachers of varying moral levels, no morals to some morals, to good morals, to unpack anal and oral sex for your kids? Or do you want to do that? I'd think most parents would, even though it might be a little uncomfortable to tackle. They'd like, and I think most kids would prefer knowing it their parents' perspective because they trust them. My daughter and that boy are victims of this board's approved content and curriculum, and I hold them personally responsible for the social and emotional damage to these children, said Burgett. School board president Karen Sylvester appeared to be unaware of the incident. Unbelievable. Unaware, really? No gossip. No, nobody called her. No heard it through the grapevine. She insisted that the teacher and board weren't to blame, saying that it was something that just happened. Parents in the audience challenged Sylvester, claiming she was una, that she was aware of the incident and questioned why law enforcement weren't involved. You know, it's amazing to me. The teaching profession claims they are just the brightest bulbs in our community, and they are some of the most lame, no common sense, stupid, and they just think, oh, well, we'll just handle it here. We don't need to get the police involved. Don't call the police. I mean, here in California, up here in Northern California, we got cops on campus. Makes it really easy. This district actually published a, an account to counter the general disinformation about the district. Then they switched their Twitter page to private. Finally, a reporter shared a clip of Burgett's testimony and McLaughlin's remarks. McLaughlin's defense of the boys' actions occurred within the context of an already contentious board meeting. (laughs) It's unbelievable. One of the group leaders... Steve Schneider alleged that his eight-year-old daughter was required to watch a video on transgenderism at Maple Elementary. Well, y'all, the time is up, and uh, we will have to catch the rest of life next week, Lord willing, and I'm still around. So have a good week. God bless you. I've green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies are blue. The bright blessed day and the dark sacred night and I think to myself 